Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. That sounds like a party. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally as the world Hi, famous smoking and toasting. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. And today, today marks show number 250. That is halfway to 300, sir. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm, I'm I did very, the math. It works out. <laughs> I'm very, very... We've made, we've actually made it. Now, I know we got, you know, criticized for saying, you know, at, at a certain point, I don't know, 100 shows or whatever, that nobody had stepped in and, and, and stopped us yet. Uh, but seriously, we're at show number 250 and <laughs> nobody has tried to stop us. That's pretty nice. Uh, that's unbelievable. Uh, it is so great to be here uh, and talk about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and wine today. Now, we honestly, we're not nearly as good, I think, with wine in terms of knowing anything about it. As, I know, I know when are. you look at me and you look at the shirt I'm wearing today, you probably think that guy is a wine aficionado. Exactly. It just Not it just all. screams <laughs> it just screams uh, you know, holding holding the uh, glass in, in a genteel the, fashion, doesn't the, it? The pinky's out. Yeah, the pinky's out. But fortunately, um, here at Smoking and Toasting, we've been uh, we've been lucky enough to, you know, surround ourselves with some people who do know a thing or two, and we call them our staff of experts, even though we don't compensate them in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Uh, and our uh, resident wine expert is uh, Mark Burrell, who is he- back here with us today. Uh, this is what you're like, hi, hi. third, fourth, uh, fifth appearance oh, on the I show? Oh, I lost count at 250. Okay, very good. Well, we're, we're always happy to have Mark. And anytime we talk wine, we really have to have him because my wine knowledge is just, you know, well, so, you know, so I, basic. I have I have enough hobbies in my life to where I just don't always have room for that. That's why I love having someone that I can just ask. Right, right. Like, you know what? I need I need something that fits this profile and and I do love wine. It's delicious, but and I just don't know much you, about you it. You mentioned before the show that the last time Mark was here and he brought in some Texas wines and you actually went out to uh, uh yeah, one of the wineries, had, right? Yeah, when me and my wife went out to Fredericksburg, one of the wines you brought was a, a, a rosé from uh, Lost Draw. Yeah. And we, uh, on the last day before we left uh, Fredericksburg, we uh, went and uh, sought them out and sat down and just had an absolutely wonderful time trying all of them. And uh, the lady that was doing the uh, the tasting was just so informative. They do we such had, a great job. Yeah, we and, had such a great time. And that wine is really, really pretty, too. And we caught it at such a beautifully not-too-busy time to yeah. where, I mean, they just were super relaxed, spent lots of time with us. It was great. And that's a, it's a great place, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. really pretty uh, patio area. Yeah, it's lovely out there. Well, Mark's brought along some wines. Uh, uh, he said, you know, what's the theme of the show? And I said, well, we, you know, we could do a lot of different things. But one of them uh, that I tossed out was how about just, you know, wines for fall. Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, kind of what you're looking ahead. Here in Texas, it's still nice and warm. Uh, but some places have already started to cool well, off a it, little bit. It'll still bit, be yeah. nice and warm until, you know, December. Yeah, I could have exactly. brought that rosé back again. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been perfectly fine. <laughs> the rosé was exactly. fantastic, by the <laughs> But, you know, uh, it is it is nice to begin to think about those cooler temperatures. I mean, Oktoberfest beers are coming out, so that always makes me feel like it's eventually going to get cooler. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, I'll enjoy this lovely beer. Uh, but it's kind of the same way with uh, thinking about wines for fall. You know, it's, it's I mean, I, I don't even, I almost don't want to say this out loud. But we're going to blink, and it's going to be the holidays. Yeah, you know they're they're going to be happen on, so fast. They're going to be on top of us before you. We're, know we're it. on the downhill side of summer, yeah. and it goes by quickly. I'm make your to, reservations now. I yeah. went into uh, Target. Yeah. 
I went into Target to try to buy like a cushion for one of my uh, chairs on the patio. Gone. Uh, uh, nothing like that there at all. They do have Christmas decorations though. Oh, do they really? <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> so yeah, but that's just the way that retail cycle works. So if they can have Christmas decorations up. And damn it, we can talk about wines for the fall. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to do today. And really looking forward to it. Plus, <clears throat> in a rare turn of events, Ian has brought today's beers. I'm usually the one that brings in the beers. Beware. But Ian has brought today's beers, and I was uh, you know, putting them into the show notes, getting, getting ready for the show, and I realized that one of them's under 5%. So I almost texted you and said, are you okay? <laughs> so today's beers are brought to you by my friends and family from Michigan. Yeah, I was going to say, it's an all-Michigan all beer and, edition. Yes. And so my uh, my sister started dating a guy who's from Michigan, and mm -hmm. his family is from that area and everything. And uh, my parents were from Michigan, so I have a lot of family up in the uh, up in the area. So they went out to visit his family and visited a bunch of uh, my extended family up there, and uh, especially one of my cousins, Mark and Mike, my sister's now fiance. He uh, proposed while they were up there. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, and she said yes, obviously. Otherwise, he'd be the ex. The ex-fiance. The ex-boyfriend. Ex um, yeah. So uh, my now fiance, Mike, and... Um, and my uh, cousin Mark uh, conspired to make sure I had a few beers to bring on the show that were top notch. Well, so. yeah, I was going to say we've had, I uh, uh, think, one or two of these breweries. We've had some of their beers uh, before on the show, and I know we've had the first one because it's Jolly Pumpkin Artisan. We, we've Ales. had Jolly yeah. Pumpkin, and all their beers that we've had are have been great. And interestingly enough, they do a lot more than just pumpkin beers. Yeah, well, the name of it is Jolly Pumpkin, yeah, yeah. but they do other beers. And we yeah. did, I think our first one we tried from them was actually was a pumpkin. was actually ale. a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, I think we did it uh, around like uh, mm -hmm. Halloween, Thanksgiving when we did uh, some pumpkin ales. But uh, this one is not a pumpkin ale at, at all. It is from Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales, but it's their cal Calabaza Blanca. It's a wit beer, a wheat beer. Yes. Uh, so, uh, look, that's the one that's under five. I think it's 4.5%. I know, it's weird, I looked isn't it up, it? and I was like, who are you and what have you done with I feel a little strange about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you also brought in from Old Nation Brewing Company, and these guys are good, man. This is a great brewery out of Williamson, Michigan. Uh, we'll have their new Orthodox M43. Mm. It's a New England uh, IPA. So mm -hmm. we'll, I brought I'll that. Be, I'll be looking forward to that. I figure you'd like the IPA side. And then Great Turtle Brewery uh, from uh, um, Mackinac Island, nah, Michigan. Mackinac uh, Island. Uh, so that's say, one. Say it again, because I said Mackinac. Mackinac. So yeah. you don't pronounce that last. Say. Right. And uh, that's one that you can only get at the brewery. So this uh, is their Hoban Street Stout. Yes. Am I saying Hoban right? Hoban. Hoban. Yeah. All right. Uh, I know they say everything with that. You know, sort of uh, Wisconsin accent up there. When you, know? you go park the car. And, well, no, that's that's <laughs> there's a little bit of that yeah, going oh, on. Is, up there. Is there? Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about like like when you watch Fargo, like that kind of, that kind <laughs> of accent. You know? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty far. Yeah, out. I, I can't. Do, I'm not going to attempt to do that one though, because so, I'll just I'll just mess that right up. Anyway, uh, it's a Hope and Street Stout. It uh, looks delicious. It's a very interesting package and great Turtle Brewery. I don't think I've ever had anything from those guys. So, mm -hmm. uh, so looking forward to that. So, uh, we also have a lot of uh, different things to talk about. Uh, we I, I got a hold of a new list that I thought was very interesting I wanted to share because, you know, with us being based here in Texas, but with people listening to the show from all over. Bruce Stark pointed out we do have fans in Michigan. Yeah, oh, yeah I know we do because Bruce is, Bruce is from there. And, and we've had several other Michigan people uh, chime in on the show notes and, uh, as well. Uh, but the New England area 
um, you know, Boston, uh, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. Maine. That's always been very near and dear to my heart because I lived in Boston for seven years. And I love that was actually where, to be totally honest, that was where I fell in love with craft beer, uh, with Harpoon Brewery and some of the uh, Magic Hat out of Vermont, some mm-hmm. of the some of the great breweries up there. Like, well, I uh, ran across an article I thought we should share. It's six New England breweries you may not know about, but probably should. And I glanced at the list. I, I don't know about any of these. So uh, I, I thought that would be exciting to share. I, I brought I know a list myself. It's a area. list of breweries that don't make IPAs yeah. in the United States, and um, there's nobody on it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a very <laughs> short list, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, not all of these are IPA-centric, so I think you'll enjoy uh, think you'll enjoy the list. We also have a uh, an interesting list that came out <coughs> last Friday from Cigar Aficionado. And uh, we do the show on Thursdays. So and it was about uh, uh, fifteen great cigars under eight dollars for your Labor Day weekend. Oh. I was like, well, okay, it's too late for us to share it for Labor Day weekend. But I looked at the list; it's pretty interesting. So we'll do fifteen great cigars for under eight bucks for any time you freaking want to. Right? You, know? you should have last yeah, week. That's right. That's right. Two, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to penalize you for uh, uh, for being late. So uh, so all of that plus wine, drinking news uh, today. Our drinking news uh, teaser headline is. Uh, Park wherever you like, sir. I love it already. All right, so we'll look forward to that. And we got a lot of uh, lot of uh, wine to taste. I'm very. Mark has already poured these, so sitting to my right are three. I know this looks so beautifully nice. Beautifully poured glasses of wine. I'm thirsty. Um, uh, and and we'll <laughs> he's get like, to let's that. get to it, guys. We'll get to that shortly. Uh, first of all, uh, though, as I uh, love to do about this time every show, Ian, I thought I'd. Uh, see, check in and see if you'd smoked anything interesting this week. I did. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last time we were at um, <coughs> Casa de Monte Cristo together, they mm-hmm. recommended a cigar, and you actually did a review on it. it was the Avo uh, Synchro Caribe? Yes, and I really liked it, which, which was great because the last couple of Avos that I'd had, I'd been less less excited right. about. So and, I was glad just, to get back on the winning Just track. a little history. Avo Yvesian uh, is a cigar maker and also a pianist and composer, He's jazz a great composer. great jazz composer. Fantastic, yeah. yes. So I just wanted to let you know there might be some music-centric terms in here. Okay, okay. fair enough. So uh, first off, this was a Toro. 6x52 is the one I had. Its composition is uh, rapper uh, is Dominican, the binder is Ecuadorian, the filler is uh, Dominican and Nicaraguan. The appearance, uh, light brown wrapper, somewhat veiny, firm overall, leathery feel to, on the, uh, mm-hmm. to the touch. The uh, pre-light sniff, classic tobacco, barnyard, a little bit of coffee on it. The pre-light draw, I used a punch. I had a light draw on it. I have very savory tobacco and wood, sweetness, and just a kiss of mint is what I kind of detected on that. So, now we start with the cigar. Yeah. The intro of the cigar. Mm-hmm. Tangy, rich earth and pepper, backed by cedar. Uh, Retro hails fresh cut lumber. And this is when you had lit it, or is this this is this is the initial light? It's okay. now yeah. known as the intro. The intro. Okay, I like it. The first third of the cigar, now known as the chorus. Okay, is wood and rich earth because it's because in a uh, in a uh, jazz tune you have the chorus section, which is basically the song form. So it's not mm-hmm. like a verse and chorus, like a pop song most of the time. Right. So they go we're, right going, to, we're going jazz composition go right to the chorus. I got so it. I got it. The chorus uh, is uh, wood, rich earth set. Uh, chorus uh, is uh, wood and rich earth set the tone, backed by coffee, sweet, dark fruit. Retro hail is wood and pepper with a sweet uh, hint of cocoa in the back. Uh, flaky ash, great burn. Then we get to the bridge. 
Did, That's your, the next section. In your head when you got there, did you hear Timbaland saying, take it to the bridge? <laughs> <laughs> Just wondering. Then we get to the bridge, or the second third of the cigar. Sweeter flavors take over here with distinctive fruity notes. Uh, cedar remains central. Nut, uh, milk chocolate, and a slight coffee develop. Hint of raisin bread on the finish. Uh, retro hail is nutty and chocolate. Flaky ash. Perfect burn. And that brings us all the way to the coda. Okay. Which is the end if you don't speak music. <laughs> uh, raisin bread and chocolate become more prominent. Sweet fruit undertones remain and interplay pleasantly with the nutty and coffee notes. Uh, Retro hail is cedar, cedar uh, nutty, and mocha. <coughs> Price to quality on this. This is a $12 cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, between 12 and 13 something like that. It's kind of expensive. Uh, and... Um, I think uh, there, there, are some, there are quite a few avos that are in that price range mm-hmm. too. So well, those those upper end ones yeah. that have come out, yeah. So uh, so it's, uh, that's pretty normal for them. Uh, price to quality at twelve dollars to thirteen dollars. I gave it a six. It was fantastic. I think, I think that's what I gave it as well. Yeah, it was, I, I, I mean, this was a great myself. smoke. Uh, yeah. The construction was fantastic, and I didn't want to give it up. I didn't take pictures all the way down to like burning my fingers, but I almost burnt my fingers well, with this one. When when you and I, it was a couple of weeks ago uh, when you and I met before the show and had a cigar there in the in the uh, lounge at Casa, and that was the one that I smoked. Uh-huh. And I remember saying to you, this is really yeah, good. Was good. You know, it, was, uh, it was just uh, a very pleasant surprise to see uh, yeah. Avo kind of back on track. Even at that price, I'll go time. back and buy a couple Absolutely. more to toss in the humidor. Absolutely. Well, I kind of went a different... I have a question. Yeah. Yes. Um, you, you gave it a six mm-hmm. out of ten, I assume. Yes. Um, and But you're waxing... Poetically about how much you enjoyed this cigar. Well, let's talk what? about our price to quality scale then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the way the price to quality scale is, we have a, a scale of one to ten, but five is you get exactly what you pay for. Ah, uh, okay. So it's it's a sliding kind of scale. It's not just this this is scores this much, but uh, and, and it's very dependent because because you can smoke lots of cigars that are great at a cheaper price or you can smoke more expensive cigars that are great which kind of expect that when you pay 15 or 20 dollars for a cigar it better be good right right so it's it's one of those scales that uh that i kind of came up with years ago where uh if you're getting what you pay for you get a five if if you think to yourself you know i wish i'd have paid a little less for this or it's not quite living up to what i paid then you get lower than five but if it punches above its weight class and is like wow you know i i at that price point Thirteen dollars. If I paid fifteen dollars for this, I wouldn't even have batted an eye, and it would have been just fine. Would have been worth it had uh-huh. you paid. And, Absolutely. And as a result, it's always harder on this scale for more expensive cigars. Like this was what twelve dollars. Yeah. So for a, a cigar that was twelve dollars to score above a five, meaning that you wouldn't have been disappointed if it had been fourteen or fifteen dollars right. that you paid for it. I and mean, that's. That's pretty high price. And this, is, yeah. I, this may parallel to wine, I think. like It's easier to f- go out and spend $50 on a bottle of wine and expect to get something good than it is to go spend under 20 and expect to get something good. Right. You have you to might, kind of search for those, right? But if you do, that's going to be like, woo, da-da, that's yeah, a fine. What a, what right? a great deal to find right, a right. $20 bottle of something right. that drinks exactly. like a $50 bottle. Right. I understand now. Yeah. My, my whole, I was thrown off by the fact that, wow, that doesn't sound like a very good score to <laughs> yeah. me. But, well, but if you think about it. But that sounds it, great. But if you think about it, a uh, especially a more expensive cigar that scores under a five might still have been very enjoyable. Yeah. It just may be a little overpriced. We've had a few you of those. If you, if you put out an $18 cigar mm-hmm. and it smokes and tastes great and everything like that, but, you know... It, it, but it doesn't quite live up to $18, you know? I mean, it may be great for a $12 cigar, right, you right. know, but, but that's, you know. A lot of my sort of sort of favorite go-to cigars are in the $8 range. 
right? So what I always do if I'm smoking a, a 12 or a $13 cigar, and I'm going to talk about it here on the show, is I go, how much better was it than one of my sort of regular eight dollar mm-hmm. sticks. You know, was it really worth if it's a sixteen dollar cigar, was it really would I Twice really rather have good. that or two of my other ones? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and so that's that's what can make it tough for a higher price cigar. Now a lower price cigar, if you find a gem, it can score in fact one of the best scores that Ian's ever given to a cigar, he gave a nine to a black and mild. Yep. Which is what a, a Less cent? than a dollar. Less than a dollar cigar. <laughs> but here's what happens. You know, like anything else, sometimes these things are situational, you know? And so I went over to a friend's house where we were sitting around playing cards against humanity and having whiskey and everything <laughs> like that. And he uh, had sitting at the place where I always sit, he had a black and mild sitting there as, as a little bit of a joke. He's like, I bought you a cigar. I was like, all right. And I smoked it and I enjoyed it. It's Is it a great cigar? Well, not when you compare it to anything that costs, you know, 7 or $10 or whatever. But for less than a dollar, and for the fact that I sat and enjoyed it, and, and it went fine with the whiskey and everything else, you know, less than a dollar. I mean, that's a pretty high yeah. score. Right? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely so, you true. Know. Well, I kind of went, I didn't go the, the black and mild route, but I went a little less expensive. And certainly uh, certainly something that I was, I and at least initially, didn't have really high hopes for. And uh, I smoked the Old Henry Pure Breed Robusto. Now, let me explain. Old Henry is a brand that's owned by Holtz Tobacco in Philadelphia. Uh, They have a tobacco store there. They have a big online um, uh, component to what they do, and I order from them online Okay, I was was mixing that up with the Henry Clay, and I was thinking, those are actually pretty good. Henry Clay is a different thing. This is is Old Henry, and on the band, on the cigar band, it's got a picture of a bulldog. Now... I, I'm an animal lover, and you know I l- particularly love dogs. But I'll just say, it has been my experience that a, a picture of an animal <laughs> on the cigar band doesn't usually translate to a really accepting, high quality. Accepting Guardian of the Farm. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You're right that's a little <laughs> different. But uh, but no. Uh, generally, if you see a picture of an animal, and I, I don't know if Adam's got that picture up yet, but if you're looking at the video feed, you can see. I mean, that that's a sort of a not necessarily a cartoonish looking. See, now when I look at that label, it doesn't that scream makes me quality. Think that they named it after that because that's. That the wet fur might be what the cigar tastes <laughs> right. like. Right, you're thinking El Cheapo, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it looks like it. Apparently, uh, and I, this, I think it, I think the dog passed away before I was in Philadelphia because I've been to Holtz uh, back when okay. I lived in Philly uh, in their store. But apparently, Old Henry was their sort of mascot dog. Oh, so there's actually a story behind that it, hung that's out in cool. in the store, and he passed away, and they decided to name uh, this line of cigars after their, you know. Dearly departed uh, bulldog, Old Henry. So they immortalized him with his own blend of tobacco and his own line of cigars. Uh, I all, always I'd seen these on online in their thing before, and I always assumed they just you know weren't that good. Uh, but I recently bought a sampler of Jose Pepin Garcia's cigars. And these came in the sampler. I hadn't. I didn't even notice that. Is it one of his blends? Yes. Wow. Okay. So that's he, so, hard. That's a good pedigree. Yeah. So Jose Pepin Garcia. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. I see what you're doing there. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. So he apparently blended this cigar and produces it for Holtz, and they sell it in the. So then I, you know, did a little reading on it. And discovered apparently it's a big seller for him. 
Oh. So, okay. So, so now my expectations are ticking up a little higher. Although I'm still looking at the bulldog on the label and I'm thinking, ah, oh, man, this, I don't know. I don't know. So, turns out, not only are they made by uh, Pimini Garcia, but they feature an Oscuro Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper and binder and filler from Nicaragua. So, you're speaking my cigar yeah, language I mean, on there. paper, that sounds good. Pre-light on the Old Henry gave me a little bit of leather, uh, some hay with a hint of cocoa, very pleasant on the pre-light. Uh, so, I used a punch, and when I did, I did crack the tobacco around the uh, head of the cigar a little bit when I cut it. Probably more my fault than, than that of the cigar. But I went ahead and lit it up, immediately got a nice Nicaraguan blast of uh, red and black pepper. Not too intense, but enough to let me know I was in Nicaragua. Uh, and uh, there was also a bit of sweetness, too. Uh, kind of a marshmallow, fluffy sort of uh, sweetness that really... Um, kind of balance things out. There was a nutty flavor as well. Altogether, it kind of made me think of hazelnut coffee, but without the coffee bitter. Right, you know? okay. Uh, so, uh, first third continued with pepper and marshmallow, a little bit of a hint of leather. Second third was much the same, although I did pick up a, a kind of a dried fruit note on the retrohale. Uh, burn stayed nice and even. No construction issues. There were a couple of times during the smoke when I detected a, just this very quick papery note uh, and it made me wonder if I was like burning the label accidentally uh, but I wasn't and both times by the time I checked and then took another puff it was, it was just gone, gone. Yeah, yeah so it was just one of those momentary uh, things not not enough to make me dislike the cigar at all but I did think I was mentioning it, it was gone so fast it could have even been just my imagination. I don't huh. know. Uh, final third ramped up in intensity. This was already medium to full. And by the final third, it was inching more towards the full uh, designation. Um, the uh, Pepin signature pepper note was a little more dominant than it had been earlier in the cigar by the final third. But it was balanced out by this chocolatey cocoa flavor and uh, the flavor balance with that and that sort of marshmallowy sweetness throughout was really I thought, it was, I thought it was quite good. Uh, the Old Henry, uh, like I said, definitely medium to full-bodied, big on flavor all the way through. Bottom line, it's a premium cigar. It's not a bargain basement, you know, uh, lawnmower uh, cigar. It's definitely, um, it definitely could stand its own with the other Pepin Garcia uh, blends. And uh, the construction... Despite, you know, having a picture of an animal on the band, the construction stayed spot on all the way up to the end. No issues from where I cracked the wrapper initially. Everything smoked fine. I would say particularly if you're a fan of Pepin Garcia's uh, cigar blends, you should make sure you try this out. I think you can only get it from Holtz. You know, if you're a Pepin but, Garcia fan, yeah. uh, pepper and chocolate, yeah, that's, yeah. that's very much yeah, This might thing. be the least expensive example of a real premium Garcia cigar that you can find. Uh, depending on the quantity you buy, the old Henry Pure breed Robusto is between six and eight dollars so let's just call it seven all right I enjoyed the cigar very much and at that price point I can go just a little extra so price to quality a 5.5 so batting just slightly above its nice. price range I didn't think it was you know quite as spectacular as some of the other Pepin Garcia blends, but it's several dollars cheaper, so it it kind of kind of makes up. There for you it. have it, ladies and gentlemen. Never judge a dog by a cigar label <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> All right, I I do find myself though guilty sometimes of prejudging wines by what the label looks like on the bottle. I I will admit that you know it's uh, <laughs> sometimes it sometimes there are bottles that are beautiful, but you think I wonder if maybe they're trying too hard. You know, I taste things all the time. Yeah. That and and I. I'll notice something and I'll say to myself, 
this is a bottle that's meant to be on a shelf somewhere. Right. This is meant to be in a retail store. This is not meant to be in not meant to be in, in a restaurant. And it's and it's clear that perhaps the the owners or the the winemakers or the producers of the wine um, have given that some thought. Now, what do you think of the trend? And we'll, we'll get to tasting these wines yeah. here in the next segment, which it's really time to take a break. But what do you think about this trend to go? I mean, we all kind of know what the sort of elegant classic wine label looks like. But there's a trend that's cropped up, you know, a kind lot like in recent guy. years. Right. That's a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, but there's a trend that's kind of popped up in recent years where they've gone much more, uh, I don't know, it, it's it's like they're not advertising a wine. It's almost like they're advertising, you know, like a beer or a, a, a you know, sort of more of a pop culture style mm-hmm. uh, thing. What do you, as, as a total wine guy, does that, does that make you, does that put you off at all or? Uh, I, I'm not, I've, I've become oblivious to those kinds of to things. packaging, yeah, 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 it just doesn't mean anything to me because, um, first of all, it's expensive. It drives up the price of the of the wine, right. and, and and as gimmick as it as it might be, maybe it has a different closure or a, a, the bottle shape is something different. And I think that those are things that don't really affect the wine, but it may be indicative of. The style that they make the wine, you know, right? If the, if the one that pops to... into my head there is Nineteen Crimes, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's all labeled there, buddy. Yeah, right. No, it is. Yes, <laughs> uh, and that's better than the one that popped into my mind, which was Red Truck. I think I think I saw that in a gift bag somewhere. Well, I uh, here's the only thing I really know about Red Truck is it's a very interesting label with an old Red Truck on it, and you can buy it at CVS. (laughs) That's what I know about Red Truck. I've never seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, uh, seriously though, there are some wines and some you know more expensive, potentially more respectable. Wines, maybe not on the super high end, but you know, in that, in that thirty dollar, forty dollar range, maybe that have gone with a more sort of pop art, pop culture uh, uh, design. To I sold a bottle last bottle. night that had no label, but an old buffalo nickel glued to the bottle. Mm. That was their packaging. And what and, did, what and did by the, the way, think that bottle it? that bottle was two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, so this is not a. This is not a buffalo nickel. Mm, no, just, uh, uh, it, but but it's it's made by a producer who um, is very well known, and um, it, ha, the, people in my business um, have strong feelings about this particular producer as well. And so, um, I in think, that he's respected, or uh, the, this producer's rep- respected. Um, he's known for a style of wine, okay, a specific style of wine that is a bit more consumer friendly, okay. Uh, that was that was so like he said that with such grace tact. and tact, didn't he? So I think I think if, if we're gonna boil this down to uh, Buffalo Nichols, what it really boils down to is once you get to where you appreciate wine at a certain level, the label doesn't really matter so much. I, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and then I, honestly, you know, I'm shown wines all day, every day, and for the most part, those wines that are offered to me, that are shown to me, that are pitched. Um, aren't available with any retail presence. And mm-hmm. so, um, and it's just because, the, well, a couple different reasons. I can't compete at Rainbow Lodge. I can't compete with uh, HEB or, right, or, or right. Costco or, or you Costco, know, any, sure, yeah. any of those guys. Um, you're going to find that much, much cheaper, <coughs> you know, over there. Uh, secondly, I really want you, if you find something that you like and it's at the Rainbow Lodge, I want you to come back. Right. Yeah. 
and have it wow you know the fact that it's on your wine list got is, it. yeah exactly thing, right um, and and so I'm often not shown a lot of the wines for retail, and so people ask me all the time, "Oh, I'm at the store. What do I get?" And it's hard for me to. Uh, I don't know. Uh, to, yeah, right. It's hard right. for me to say. Yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah. you can go by Rainbow Lodge and buy a bottle of wine. You can. In fact, um, since this whole COVID thing happened, um, I don't even have to open the bottle for you. I can now sell it retail. Right, because they loosened up some of the restrictions. Right, that and way. and more often than not, you get a little discount if you if you just take a bottle to go, mm-hmm. not enjoy it at the restaurant, but to take it away, mm-hmm. um, we can give you a little discount for that. Mm, awesome. All now, right, that's an awesome way. Yeah. To buy wines, Mark, yeah. I need a, a bottle yeah. or two for just, this. Well, you know, I have I do have several customers that'll call me up and they're like, "All right, so I'm having a party. I need a mixed case, or can you get me? This is my favorite wine. I need a case of this, or and it and and." Because I can get things that the retail stores can't. Yeah, right. Right. Um, and that, may, that adds an exclusivity to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, absolutely. And some, you know, like some of these vendors that are that are coming to me, they, the wineries that they represent often don't sell and to a retail. Like, for example, well, no, not that. But anyway, but but they'll they'll they're representing things that. Where the winemaker says, no, we have absolutely no retail presence. It's on-premise only, which means it's only available in restaurants. Restaurants, right? Bars, right yeah. Some mm-hmm. higher-end um, uh, wine shops like Houston Wine Merchant on, on uh, Shepherd mm-hmm. will get access to those kinds of things. But for the most part, you're not going to find any of those things. In- Interesting. All right. Well, yeah. um, so uh, out of the ones we have today, then, are these all ones that would be difficult to find at retail? Um one of them, I think you could find this white one. I believe you'd be able to find. But all of them are things retail. that you could order at the Rainbow Lodge. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe at other restaurants uh, yeah. for people who are in other cities can look for these on yeah, the wine list. Yeah, with the exception, other, I think, uh, of the the middle bottle. It's um it's a Beaujolais that, that I worked with the winery to bring back. Mm. Um, and so while there like may Beaujolais. there may be some some um, some other placements in town, uh, I, I get most of it. So okay, uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back and try some of this wine that I've been staring so longingly at during our uh, first segment. And uh, plus, I think we'll uh, make our way into a little beer from Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales. Uh, we'll be trying their uh, their wit beer. Uh, plus, uh, still to come, as promised, uh, fifteen great cigars under eight dollars for you to smoke anytime you freaking want to. Uh, we'll get. <laughs> to that list coming up. It is Smoking and Toasting, and we're brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Check them out. Awesome. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting, the uh, program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And, of course, today, wine, as our uh, Smoking and Toasting wine expert, Mark Burrell, is joining us today. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Great uh, T-shirts on the web and uh, sweatshirts and hoodies and other things uh, for cigar lovers. You can check them out online at MyCigarShirts.com. They are a sponsor of the show, so thank you for supporting them since they support us. MyCigarShirts.com because... Cigars. Cigars, yes. Um, So Cigar Aficionado released this very interesting uh, list of 15 cigars under $8 for Labor Day, but they released it a day after uh, our show and the... You know, Labor Day was like a couple of days away, uh, so you smoke these anytime you want to. They're uh, c- uh, all cigars that scored really high in their blind taste test at Cigar Aficionado that are uh, eight dollars or less uh, retail price. 
so that's that's pretty good. Eight dollars is kind of my sweet spot. So let's see if they have any of my faves in here. Uh, the first one on the list is the La Aurora nineteen oh three Cameroon oh, yeah. uh, Churchill, which they say gives off the aroma of freshly baked cookies. I got to go back now and have one of these. Uh, <laughs> I have had one, but it's been a while. Uh, the second one is the Oliva Siri V number four. Uh, it's a Nicaraguan cigar, scored ninety one. Uh, list at uh, seven dollars and ten cents. I, I know it's, you're immediately it's hard saying, to go wrong. With I, I know you're immediately saying, wait, a, a, a Siri V for under eight bucks, but this is the little short sort of mm-hmm. slender cigar, so you can get it for seven dollars and ten cents. Now both of us uh, have reviewed this cigar on the show, uh, Ian, and as I recall, both of us liked it. It's the Alec and Bradley uh, Kintsugi Corona Grande. Uh, Corona Gorda, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a Honduran cigar. It's uh, $7.95 mm-hmm. suggested retail. And if I remember correctly, we both liked it I quite a bit. So. I think so. Uh, E.P. Carrillo's Short Run Retro 2021 Short Play. Uh, it's also a $7.50 cigar. Scored a 90. Uh, I think E.P. Carrillo, it's hard to find anything bad with that name it, on it, it. It really is. Although the only one that I've had was when I got like from JR or somebody, I got their like, like, sort of like a house brand from E.P. Carrillo, and I don't know if you remember, but Alan Denny told us, yeah, that's a short filler cigar, and oh. it's and it's really not very good. Uh, and I was, uh, I, although I did say, I got like a, a pack of like five of them. I, I did find that they varied wildly. Like a couple of them actually were pretty good, yeah. and a couple were more of that. The short fill cigars tend to burn real fast. Yes, too. they do. And you get a little <laughs> of that papery thing if yeah. you're not if you're not careful. Uh, La Flor Dominicana's Airbender Poderoso. Uh, it's a Dominican cigar, seven dollars and ninety cents, and it is uh, Airbender is named after Lito Gomez, who owns the brand, uh, after his love of kung fu movies. So <laughs> I, I think I reviewed that actually a while back. Yep. And, uh, that's a great cigar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Perla del Mar Carojo uh, Corona Gorda. Uh, it's a Nicaraguan cigar, six dollars and forty-five cents. Scored a ninety on wow, cigar I don't think I've had that one. Uh, Perla del Mar. Corojo Corona Gorda. Uh, the Alec Bradley Project 40 Maduro 6.60. Uh, it's a Nicaraguan cigar, 89 points and $6.50. So it's one of those big ring gauge uh, cigars. 6x60 mm-hmm. is what the 6.60 uh, stands for. The El Galan Reserva Especial Apuestos. Uh, I have had an El Galan cigar before, but I don't think I've had this one. Uh, it's Nicaraguan. 89 is the score. $7 is the price. The La Palina Nicaragua Connecticut Robusto. Uh, also Nicaraguan. 89 points. seven ninety nine. The Muat uh, Baitfish. Muat is... Uh, uh, short for my easy ways a ton, yes, and it's done by um, the guys from uh, Drew Estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Muat phrase was inspired by a lyric from Public Enemy, um, and this is a collaboration between Drew Estate and Hoya de Nicaragua. And uh, the bait fish size is a very small cigar. Uh, it, it comes in like a pack of small cigars, right. but they're five dollars and fifty cents a piece, <clears> and they're really quite good. Uh, AJ Fernandez, New World, Connecticut, Churchill, a Nicaraguan cigar, uh, seven dollars. And ninety cents uh, scored in eighty nine. I don't often smoke the Churchill, but I love that the new. new I love the new world line. Yeah, uh, the Punch Knucklebuster Toro. Uh, it's a Honduran cigar, five dollars and forty nine cents. I've had and enjoyed the Knucklebuster. I don't think I've had a good little cigar. Uh, the Big Payback Connecticut Toro. Uh, it's a Nicaraguan cigar, eighty eight point seven dollars. The Cloud Hopper number four eighty five. Have you had a Cloud Hopper? Uh, I've not had the cloud. Um, it's a seven dollar twenty five cent cigar, coming in at eighty eight points. And finally, uh, and just goes to show you that you can get some big name cigars 
at a uh, less expensive price. The My Father Le Bijou, 1922. It's a Petit Robusto, so it's a small cigar, but it's wonderful. 88 points, $7.40 in their offshoot of the My Father uh, line, which, again, takes us back to brand owner Jose Pepin Garcia, mm. who uh, just, just his blends are, uh, are fantastic. And My Father is his son's basic tribute to him. So that's, awesome. that's what the, that's where the whole yeah. that's where the whole line came from. So there you go. Fifteen cigars all under eight bucks. Seek them out, smoke them, and let us know if you think they uh lived up to the hype from uh from Cigar Aficionado. All right, wine time. Let's let's do this. This has been this has been sitting here calling uh, my name. I, um, no. So uh I we Mark and I talked briefly about, about what wines he was gonna bring in. He didn't tell me which ones, but we talked about the you know, thinking about wines for the fall. So as we look at a at a white wine, what made you think, okay, this is a good one uh for to think about as we go into fall? Well, there's a couple of reasons I chose this specific specific wine. Uh, first of all, it's made um with a grape called Viognier which is a varietal uh, indigenous to uh, the Rhone Valley in France. I think you've talked about Viognier before. Perhaps. Uh, um, sure, yeah. This particular one is from California. Okay. Um, in fact, I think most of the fruit comes from Paso Robles. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Minor. Um, Minor uh, is the name of the wine. Minor is uh, the name of the wine. Vineyard, the yeah. gentleman's last name who makes it. Okay. Um, Dave Minor. Um, uh, but... The reason that I chose this specific wine is because it's not super crisp. It's not super light. It's not which super is what fresh. you think of more as a summer uh, exactly. Wine. Yeah, um, it is white. So mm-hmm. I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? Um, and even when it's cold outside, a nice white wine does really well. Mm. This, in fact, um, I purposely poured it early to let it warm up slightly mm-hmm. before we got here because of the texture of the wine. It has um, a, a, a bit of a bit more of a heft than you'd get from, say, like mm-hmm. Sauvignon Blanc, or right, right. Um, and it's very floral. It's very aromatic. So we mentioned when you were pouring this, when mm-hmm. you first popped this open, yep. we were pouring just how uh, how much, how aromatic it is. Like it's, it's a huge on the. Well, and it's again one of the reasons why why I poured it. You know, we, you guys talk, and we've talked about this in, in times past that I've been here um, about. You know, when you're smoking cigar and you, you get all the different layers and flavors. And, and we've mentioned how, you know, tasting wine and, and, and uh, assessing wine isn't that dif- that much different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I brought something quite uh, aromatic. It, it is aromatic. It's also I, I love the way this wine presents its, its sweetness. It's not sweet in quite the same way as a lot of whites that I'm used to. It's more. Um, I don't know. It's more more just like this wonderful subtle sort of middle of the tongue, middle of the palate yep. uh, sweetness that is is really kind of uh, um, I almost want to say it sneaks up on you. It, it just but you get a tropical like uh-huh. especially mm-hmm. the front. Yes, yeah. Every mouth you get some of those like pineapple and papaya and that that super tropicalness. But as it kind of comes down and it sits in your mouth for a few moments, mm-hmm. then it rounds significantly. There's kind of a warmth to it almost. Yep. The, it, I, I want to you you sort of address this already, but I mean I never expected the the mouthfeel on this is much bigger. Mm-hmm. Than you would expect. A little more like a Chardonnay sort of yeah. a mouthfeel uh, than, than a. I, I um, hate to use the term because it might not sound right, but a little meatier kind of. Uh-huh. You know? Well, and I think oftentimes the 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 way that the wine is its aging regimen affects its weight as well. You can mm-hmm. get something that's stainless steel, and we're I'm going to talk a little later about different 
um, uh, ways that wines can be um, aged. Age, yeah. um, this does have some oak influence to it, but not a lot. You know, it's not in your face oaky. It doesn't. Yeah, and you don't, you don't get it. that sort of butteriness that you get with nope. a Chardonnay. It's, uh, it, but it has some of the same mouthfeel. Some of the well, same consistency. Well, and that's that's due to a fermentation process called malolactic fermentation, where it changes the the acid from one to another, and and that can give it somewhat of a butteriness. And while it does go through um, malolactic fermentation, it doesn't. Um, present that super rich, oaky, buttery. It it's delicate and light and still viscous at the same time. Mm, yeah, it, it re- yeah, no, it totally is. It, it, uh, the first as it first hits your palate, you think of it in that sort of lighter mm-hmm. Sauvignon Blanc or, or Pinot uh, Pinot Grigio type of uh, vibe, but then after you, the mouthfeel works with you, it feels more like. Something a little bigger, a Chardonnay or, or something with a little more so, viscosity. But you mentioned it's not a crisp wine either. So, like, the aftertaste on this lingers, but it's such a pleasant mm-hmm. and warm so, and wonderful aftertaste. Fruity, sort of apple kind well, of aftertaste. Well, and you also mentioned um, its level of sweetness. While it's not a sweet wine at all, mm-hmm. I mean, this is not something that you would you would have uh, for dessert. Um, it does, the fruit on it gives it, a feeling of it being a little sweeter and a bit more palatable than than uh, something that's bone dry like Pinot Grigio, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, another reason why I brought it, because it kind of warms you up and it feels well, you yeah. I was going to say, this actually seems like it would be great with a slice of pumpkin pie, like something with a very sort of fall uh, uh, vibe to it, you know. So. With- it has it, it's it has enough delicate flavors, but enough body to it that just I I, I don't know I can't stop drinking this thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got I've got a whole half bottle here left. So. <laughs> we, we, well, can, it, we can crash this thing. I like your attitude. It, yeah, it, uh, it it is a really wonderful wine. Uh, what does uh, a bottle like that cost? Is it expensive? Um, retail. You this is the one that you could probably find in the stores. You probably find this for. Thirty thirty five dollars, okay. and minor is the name of the minor M I N E R. I don't know where the uh, uh, here Ian. Maybe you I can't can, uh, see where the cameras are right now. Well, and I, I, here, well, I have my glasses off, so I think we can do this. So it's a minor uh, twenty seventeen. Uh, see now that that to me is a slightly more contemporary but very classy uh, wine label. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to talk wine label. So I don't know I, if I'm getting that on camera. Or I not, think you're but, getting a little of it. <laughs> Close enough. Wave it around. <laughs> I'll just keep moving it until if you reach we, up and flip that around. Until I can take we it. there, we go. Yeah, now yeah. I can yeah. see it for next time. All right. So, but uh, but that's great. I really. But it, I really but yeah, it's, it's really nice. And and I almost didn't bring a white specifically because a lot of people would think that oh well, white wine you don't drink that in the winter. You want something big and hearty and red. And but you could still be you know having fish for dinner or or something that just really... and think of what you mentioned earlier. Think of something that has been uh, maybe smoked or grilled, right, right. blackened. Um, mm-hmm. Seafood would be great with this. Um, and and it's because of that little tinge of fruit mm-hmm. on there that really kind of works with spice. And yes, and you know, the spice was what I was thinking about when I said pumpkin pie. Just that uh-huh. little bit of pumpkin spice would just this would be the really good to go with that. Yes, well, uh, well, that this is makes lovely. you want to get a, a Rocky Patel Connecticut with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could you could definitely get away with that. You'd yeah. have to have something light that has a that has. Like a nice flavor, but not overpowering. My brain always goes to the champagne, the uh, uh, the tenth anniversary. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah tenth anniversary. Good one. Yeah, uh, I really, think I'd probably stay away from a vanilla 
Right. With this, anything right. vanillin, but, um, but something with some, some, like you said, some winter spices, some seasonings, mm-hmm. some, some, even some heat would be great with this. Speaking of vanilla spice, by the way, or, or vanilla's not really a spice, but vanilla uh, flavor. Uh, which uh, are you not talking about the singer? No. Okay. Vanilla Spice? No. I didn't, I, I didn't like him Wasn't she much. one of the Spice Girls? Uh, or... Oh, no. I, I, think we're, I think we're crossing the streams there, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, no, but when I think about vanilla, she only which wore is white. One of my white. Uh, one of my favorite notes in, in some of my favorite tequilas, I noticed you wearing an agave pin. Yeah. Is that in... Um, uh, is that, is that a just a favorite pen or is it, there a it is and it's re- relatively new for me I have I have dozens of, of, of pins and if you just join me at the lodge you'll see me in a different one every day um, my first uh, trip post COVID or during mm-hmm. you know, beyond the, wherever we are now yeah, yeah. neo COVID um, was to tequila. Um, and we've talked about this before. Maybe I don't know if we've talked about it on the air, but how I've been to Tequila many times, and 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 um, um, it's just a beautiful place uh, t- to be. And I thought correctly, if I might say so, that if I were going to travel, I wanted to go to a, a place that was less populated, that mm-hmm. had a smaller airport, that was easy to get to, that was, um, and and that's why I chose Tequila. Um, and when I went uh, March, I believe, um, I decided, um, and I visited a few distilleries, and I just enjoyed the city and ate really, really well. But in one of the local shops, I found this pin and um, decided I had yeah, to have it. Nice little agave plant. I love it. Yeah, I love nice. It. Uh, it, have we we haven't had you and perhaps uh, perhaps for Liliana. Yeah, I was going to say we haven't had you and Liliana in the room oh, at the no. same time, have we? We should. We've we should do ma- that. We've got to make that happen. That would be fantastic. That would be awesome. Yes, I would be one of those we things where I would just sit back and listen. Three hundredth yeah. episode that should happen. Huh? Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll have um, I'll have some a special bottle. I'll bring something okay. something really nice. Perfect. If you want to do that, so we'll we'll look forward She's, uh, to that. She just popped in too, so we'll look forward to nice. that to, to that meetup because that would be uh, that would be a good one. Ian's opening our first can of beer. This is uh, Jolly Pumpkin Ales. Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales is the actual name of the brewery. Uh, this is their Calabaza Blanca. It's a wit beer, a wheat beer. So I don't know. Whether we're uh, whether we're going to need some sort of a palate cleanse between the uh, the white wine and the wheat so beer, so I'm or grinning not. because I project yes that these things will go famously together. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's awesome. I love it. Oftentimes, you know, a, a, a heavier beer doesn't mm-hmm. really work with wine, with but, a, with a, but something uh, like yeah. this, I, I think, would be no problem at all. Well, it'll be very interesting to. Uh, oh yeah. So this has got this has got almost a. a, a you know, maybe my brain just goes pumpkin because of the name of the brewery, but it's got almost like a little bit of a, an autumn pumpkin spice on the nose. So this is a farmhouse wit beer ale brewed with orange peel and coriander, mm. and I'm That's super I'm excited to see what wow. you guys think. It's also oak aged. So this, the first thing that I think of when I take my first sip of this is, are you sure this didn't come in a big bottle with, uh, you know, big bomber bottle with lots of, uh, you know, funky the whole, uh, artwork on the, the cage on top. It, the cage on t- exactly, exactly. It, but you poured this out of a 16-ounce can. Mm, this came um, out of a 16-ounce can. That's, that's funky and wonderful. Um, I think I, I already drank a, a can of this to do qual- quality control, mm-hmm, you know, before mm-hmm. I brought it on the show. Not today, but, you know. I understand. Uh, this is, like, to me, this is outstanding. I think so, too. It's I love, such a bizarre beer and I so that, outstanding. I love that you get that sort of wild ale um a vibe on the on the tongue that kind of dances across the palate, but it doesn't ever become 
so dominant that it keeps the beer from being refreshing. You know, a lot of wilds are very interesting yep. to taste, but not as fun to drink. Coriander is also. Well, I think the acid too is really helps mm-hmm. keep yeah. that refreshing part. Of Coriander and beer is also real sketchy because it can mm-hmm. take over a beer real mm-hmm. quick. Mm-hmm. So, I like this very much. I like it, but not being very, that much of a beer person, I like. Uh, uh, because wine is is sour, it's a lot of right, acid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why this one to me, I could sit here and drink this. Get some right little now. sourness. Show uh, show the can to the camera again. Oh, the can is beautiful. It's yeah, a, it's a uh, like a lady looking off a balcony at a ship with the moon behind it. Yeah, really, really a gorgeous, uh, uh, almost like a comic illustration uh, artwork, but really, really well done. Um, yep. You would say graphic novel. Calabaza Blanca from Jolly. Pumpkin artisan ales. This one's outstanding. So, did your um, did your friends, relatives, uh, step relatives to be? Did they uh, did they pick these up in stores? Did they go to breweries? While so they were this one, uh, I believe this one and the next one that we're gonna try um, were bought by my cousin uh, because, like last time he was in town, I brought a few uh, beers for him to try. Mm-hmm. Texas beers, so he sent back a couple of Michigan beers, and then the third one, the uh, the stout, the one from uh, the uh, I'm blanking on the name right now, but the uh, Hoban Stout uh, is st- from Great Turtle. Great Turtle, I believe that one. Uh, my uh, brother, uh, my soon-to-be brother-in-law, is uh, they went to the brewery and had it there wow, and then decided to bring some home that's great love it well thank thank this them is, for us for this is one of the most interesting and i i drank uh the last can of this uh a few days back and i just was blown away by how drinkable and fun it was i just want to mention to our uh to people who enjoy the show in parts of we're in houston texas houston has some amazing amazing craft breweries and anybody that wants to gather up some um, some beers from your area, things we might not be able to get here, uh, and and send those to us. We will reciprocate by sending you an appropriately stocked box of uh, great Austin, Houston, Dallas, Texas beers that we can get here. We are happy to do beer exchange. Uh, that, that that's just a fun thing to do. It's kind of kind of like having a pen pal. Right, you know, like a beer, a beer pal that lives over. The beer exchange. Oh, look, I got uh, beer exchange boxes. That's fun. You get the, the donor on the phone. and Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. I love that. Fun time. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we have more wine uh, to try. And a part of today's show that I hadn't mentioned, there's a great uh, list of eight new bourbons to try. They didn't include the phrase, right now. But we might add. We can it. add it on. We there. might add it on there anyway. How uh, about eight great new bourbons? How about to try. we tried these eight new bourbons and you won't believe what happened? Right That's now, <laughs> click the yeah. click, click, right click bait. <laughs> uh, Buzzfeed. That that would be if we got the uh, article off of Buzzfeed, yeah. right? Yeah. All right, so we'll take a break. We'll come back with that. Plus, uh, uh, it's a short segment, but we'll do a little tasting anyway. Screw it. Let's uh, let's let's have some more wine. Taste away. I'm ready. <laughs> Back it is smoking and toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand rolled cigars, and today especially uh, wine. As our wine expert Mark Burrell uh, has joined us, Mark uh, holds court at uh, the Rainbow Lodge in Houston, which, by the way, has one of the most like 
wonderfully exotic menus of uh, of any of oh, my yeah. uh, of any of my favorite restaurants. Uh, a lot of different kind of meats. Uh, really, a well, very well curated. Specializing uh, uh, menu. in wild game. Right. So you've got wild game on on the menu, but it it's still a very a very like. Uh, uh, chef-driven experience, mm-hmm. and and the way these are prepared is just wonderful. And do you do you still have the? Is, it's like a, a where you can order and get several different kinds. Yeah, so you can get that in oh, yeah. two different courses. Okay, uh, right, right. We have a little sampler that you can get as an appetizer. That's got a couple little nibbles. Um, right, right. Um, and we often do those in mass for like a group. Right. Um, and then um, you can get what. Uh, that's called the Taste of the Wild, and then you, we can get what's called a mixed grill. That's yeah. got yeah. So that was yeah. what I had the last I've, time I've I was there. I've had that a number of times. Man, there. it was so good. good. It's just uh, like to be able to try all these different kinds of, of of meat and just and just contrast and compare. You know the texture, the flavors, the the way it's prepared. So it's when I when I looked at the menu and I saw the mixed grill, I thought to myself, okay, there these people are problem solvers. Right, because they know the problem I'm having right <laughs> yeah. now. Right, right, which is what the hell am I? How am I going <laughs> right. to pick what? So what I got I want. the mixed grill, but they created a secondary problem mm-hmm. because I thought if I get the mixed grill, I'll be able to tell what I like, and the next time I come in, that's what I'll get. Right, but I got the mixed grill again because <laughs> that, 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 so that being the secondary problem. <laughs> well, and oftentimes uh, I'll, I'll ask people, "All right, are you in the mood for for meat today? Are you in the mood for seafood?" I, I look at the seafood come in. The back door every well, day. Yeah, my wife had the seafood so when amazing. we were there, and yeah. it was. Uh, it, I often have seafood, you know, for lunch every day. But um, people were like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll start with the with a little taste of the wild, and then have uh, some seafood at dinner, or perhaps something backwards. But I, it, we have a, a group of um, of ladies actually who come in and they drink champagne, and they have a taste of the wild as an appetizer, and they have the mixed grill as an entree. Um, and then they finish it up with some of our bread pudding, and it's and they do that every single time. Oh, they have the same I thing. It's it. great. I love it. I love it. Well, it, honestly, the mixed grill is is just. I, I remember loving everything, but I think my favorite was the elk. I really mm-hmm. loved the elk. It was just such a a wonderful meat uh, meat flavor. Mm. It's not. It's not super gamey. It's got right. just a touch of a fat to it, mm-hmm. but not a lot. It's it's really great for actually for the next wine. I think it. I was just saying, my mouth is watering just thinking about yeah. it. Or or maybe it was the the wheat beer. I don't know. But the next wine is a red. And uh, why don't you tell us? Very good. About the. Would well, you like my? I, hey, would you like my corkscrew? Uh, I I I told you <laughs> I know my wines. This I can I can definitively say. This is a red wine. Indeed it is. This red <laughs> comes from a region in in Burgundy um, that is often um, misrepresented or um, uh, thought of in a in a in a bad way. Really? This is Beaujolais. So why are, why is Beaujolais well, not considered Well, because a lot of people are cool. thinking about their grandmother's Beaujolais. It's this guy right here. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people are thinking about their grandmother's Beaujolais. Just the FYI. Beaujolais. Yeah. Is is this how you spell Beaujolais? <laughs> no. So this is the the region within Beaujolais is Bruy. Oh, okay. oh. yeah, I was gonna say I, I've I've how seen. You, how do you spell Beaujolais? Yeah. What does it say it on there? Um, I don't. It may not it actually. May not. Okay, go ahead. It, it's it looks like bourgeois almost bourgeois. the way, it, the way it's spelled. The, my yeah. point is is that a lot of people think about the the jug wine with the finger hole right. that and your grandmother think, had. Think that when they think Beaujolais? And they think that of Beaujolais, and Beaujolais is just stunning. Or or they'll think about Beaujolais Nouveau. Now, the third Thursday of right. November every year, um, the Beaujolais 
area releases its newest, freshest, barely fermented right. uh, uh, wines, I, and it's meant to be a barometer of how the how the, of the how season good, of how, how that the season's going to be. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's going but to be. I, I've had uh, Nouveau and 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 always really enjoyed it. I mean, there is a certain. I'm going to say this as if I know what I'm talking about. There is a certain young sort of youthfulness to mm-hmm. the flavor, uh, but but it doesn't stop me from like really enjoying. Uh, well, and that's because in Nouveau, the, Nouveau the grapes are had. picked, you know, just a few months prior. <laughs> right. Um, so the 2021, for example, Nouveau mm-hmm. comes out on November 18th this year. Mm-hmm. Happens to be my birthday, which, by the way, I I, I usually take the day off. On my birthday, yeah, um, and, um, and I and drink champagne and drink champagne, and yes. I, I plan to travel. You guys know about Mark Fember, right? Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe you explained this to us. So. But um, this year, um, I I'm taking a trip to Spain on the day after, so I will be actually working on my birthday, and I'm uh-huh. trying to. So for your listeners alone, I haven't I haven't said this to anybody else yet. But I've try, I'm trying to procure a large bottle of Nouveau since it happens, Beaujolais Nouveau Day happens to fall on my birthday. Right. To share with those folks um, at the lodge. Oh, fun. Would nice. like to It'd be a fun night to go, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is Cru Beaujolais. As um, Ian mentioned, this doesn't say Beaujolais, it says Bruy. <laughs> Bruy, okay. <laughs> on the label, French people, which is, <laughs> they spell things funny. They do. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's an area within Beaujolais um, oh. that that produces wine. Just like within Napa Valley, there are several different sub-appellations, right, like right. Rutherford, St. Helena, whatever. Um, within Beaujolais, there are lots of different regions, um, and Bruy happens to be one of them. And this is Cru Beaujolais from a producer called Chateau de Peru. Um, which I visited um, several years ago to taste their 2017 vintage, 16 vintage, um, which was stellar. And I found this particular um, wine that I loved very, very much. Um, and I talked to the winemakers about having it. It wasn't at the time exported into the U.S., um, and it is now. And so we have plenty of it here at the lodge. It's a it's a beautiful bottle, and I this- love it. Um, have you tried yours yet? I, I have. Uh, so first off, it's a little punchy on the nose at first. Yeah. Um, and in a good way. Um, it's a little big right right at the beginning. And then when you take a sip of it, it's so smooth and delicious and and gentle all the way across the palate. My, my, uh, it's not what I expected at all. No, my observation was going to be that when I first took a sip, that it was very pleasant, but I didn't get all that much from it and then when i swallowed he, this finish it's almost like it's a a flower garden blooming yeah, on yeah, the yeah. palate it's just so much flavor so much like wonderful it, it's a it's a really i would say subtle in that way mm-hmm. because you i i didn't get at least on the first part of the sip any indication of what was coming it kind of and it kind as of it, snuck on as up it lingers it. as it sits yeah. and as it once you've finished it those tannins really start to bloom as well and you mm-hmm. really get a little mm. dryness mark i like to think that as much as you know about wine when we start talking about it we just sound like two cavemen grunting at you <laughs> this is why this is why i'm quiet when you talk about cigars wine wine good so, well, i do want to mention one another thing about the, this particular um region beaujolais is made with almost 100 percent gamay grapes the name mm-hmm. of the varietal is called gamay 
Um, and a lot of producers in Beaujolais will will make their wine in a method called carbonic maceration. In other words, what they do is they cover the tanks and let the carbon dioxide that's released from the fermentation process kind of mix in with it. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes you get a little funkiness in Beaujolais. Um, and I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure if this actually goes through that process at all because it doesn't have a lot of that funkiness, but mm -hmm. there's a little there. Um, and some of that has to do with just, you know, a, a in indicators from, from the varietal. But but this is one of my favorite wines. This, I love this. wine is wonderful. Now, and, and this is, you have plenty of this in stock. I at do. Rainbow Lodge. I do. And, and I, I brought this for a couple of reasons because this is a, first of all, fall wine to the max. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. and your turkey on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Oh, I bet. It's Any amazing. Beaujolais um, is great with those, those kinds of things. It's a cousin to Pinot Noir. And so it's, right. and it's grown in proximity in Burgundy in proximity to Pinot Noir. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it does so well. And it's just like the epitome of fall wines. It's very, it's very interesting it. how it, how the aftertaste lingers in the palate because it doesn't linger on the back of the tongue very mm -hmm. much at all, but around the outside mm -hmm. of the palate. And and it has that, that uh, mm -hmm. am I using the right words, like kind of that tannic acidity mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. thing to it that makes you definitely want another sip. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I think absolutely. To, to your point from earlier, like I was totally connecting with everything you were saying, but imagining that to Mark, you sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher. That, <laughs> wah, 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 wine. No, he uh, actually did a good job this time. Uh, I, I am very, this time. <laughs> you got that, right? I learned good. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back. we got a lot to talk about, a lot to cover. Uh, and I'm going to enjoy sipping this for a little while longer before we get into our next thing. Uh, but we've got some Old Nation Brewing Company, New Orthodox M43. It's a New England IPA. That'll take our palates in a completely different That's direction. That's going to be different, yes. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, we have uh, Drinking News on the way. And I want to get into this uh, eight new bourbons to try right now. Right now. Right now. So we'll get to that. Uh, coming up, it's uh, Smoking Toasting. It just happened. <laughs> no one is completely sure. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We are the program all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and wine, especially today wine, as I'm just loving this Beaujolais. Oh, my goodness. This is... This is a really wonderful wine. It's lovely. Uh, really wonderful. Um, we are uh, sponsored by and uh, brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Great shirts and hoodies and, uh, and all kinds of uh, active wear uh, for fans of the cigar, for lovers of the leaf, and for those who love them. Uh, check it out at MyCigarShirts.com uh, because... Cigars. Yeah. So, Ian, I mentioned this, this list that I had for you of eight new bourbons to try. And I, I didn't include the. Uh, I said they didn't include right now because it wasn't in the headline of the of the email advertising it right. that I got from Liquor.com, which I love. But when I go to the article, it literally says eight new bourbons to try right now. Nice. <laughs> so, so we're always uh, we always amplify that and say right now. Uh, but I thought since these were new bourbons, and you know, because I know more about tequilas and rums than I do about whiskeys. So when I'm shopping for a whiskey, I do find that sometimes I get a little lost in in the whiskey aisle, you know. It's like, mm -hmm. and and that the specs that I like to go to, you know, they've got, you know, an aisle for Scotch, and then it's got Irish whiskey on the other side, and then there's a whole bourbon aisle. And sometimes you're there and you're like, 
well, there's so many new things, but like, what do, what do I even try? So here are some suggestions from Liquor.com, a very good, well-respected, you know, one thing I love about Liquor.com is these aren't just the people who decided to advertise with them this month. They actually, you know, curate a list of new bourbons that they think uh, you should try. And uh, Are there any price limitations on uh, this list? I, I don't, it doesn't say that there are limitations, but they do list okay. the uh, prices with each one, so All we'll right. share that. So, uh, so from uh, Bardstown, uh, they actually suggest two uh, bourbons. The Bourbon Fusion Series Number no. 5 at $59. Mm-hmm. And the Bardstown Bourbon Discovery Series number five at $130. They they go on to say that Bardstown specializes in very complex bourbon blends. Uh, the first of the new bottles released in June 2021, Fusion Series 5, blends three Kentucky straight bourbons between three and 11 years old. And uh, then the Discovery Series number five focuses on old and rare bourbons, uh, blends four whiskeys, two from Kentucky, two from Tennessee, ages ranging from six to 17 years. Uh, the flavor is described as ripe, vibrant cherries over rich caramel and roasted marshmallows. And that sounds uh, pretty good to me. Uh, uh, and then number two on the list is Basil Hayden Toast. You're familiar with Basil mm, Hayden. I am familiar, but are you familiar with Basil with Hayden, toast? but I haven't had toast. Yeah, I haven't either. It's a $50 bottle, and uh, they point out that Basil Hayden doesn't release a lot of new uh, variations and new bottlings, uh, but this one is the first permanent addition to their lineup since 2017, and it was created by Freddie No, who we oh, uh, nice, had a yeah. chance to meet. It was uh, awesome. Uh, it's an interesting study they showed uh, in how bourbon can be tweaked, while still remaining within the confines of what legally makes it a bourbon, uh, and they, they recommend it pretty pretty highly. Now this next one is in that uh, uh, slightly more up there price range. Uh, Blue Run Spirits, fourteen year old small batch bourbon, retailing for two hundred dollars. Blue Run launched less like like a year ago. This is a wow. whole new distillery, but it was fostered by a group including a Nike designer. Uh, Facebook's first director-level employee, a hospitality executive, a political advisor, and a philanthropist. So that wow. should be that's an interesting group of people it's that started from Kentucky. Uh, Bourbon lovers, um, it's Blue Run. Let me see if it says where they are actually from. Uh, I'm not sure if it says we could find out easily enough. Uh, they say Bourbon lovers actually paid more attention though to another participant, uh, which was Jim Rutledge, who is the uh, whiskey veteran and liquid advisor who created this particular 14-year-old small batch that was released this July. According to its producer, tasting notes include buttery French toast cooked in a pan that recently fried breakfast sausages. <laughs> That's a little specific. I love that. I like that a lot, yes. Uh, shored up by white pepper, tart Rainier cherries, and a pop of caramel. I love the way he... Like right. Well, anybody who calls himself a liquid advisor, yeah, yeah. is going to come up with something yeah. clever like that. Right, right. I mean, for all of our specialists, who would we designate as the liquid advisor? Docs. I think probably uh, Doc, true. Docs is a pretty true. good one. Yeah. Yeah. I think Docs, by the way, reached out. We may have to have him back on the show again because uh, that's always an adventure. The first adventure is you never know what his hairstyle will be. Never, no idea. And then the second <laughs> adventure is what has he brought us that's uh, so interesting to taste. Uh, Dickel Bourbon, $33. It's an eight year aged uh, bourbon from Cascade Hollow Distilling, uh, released in June and bottled at 90 proof. It is a permanent addition to their lineup, created from stocks of. Uh, Whiskey selected and blended by Nicole Austin, the general manager and distiller. Okay. Uh, 
I have two things to say about that. Yeah. One is that's the one that uh, Chris Hart brought on the show last. Oh, you're right. I thought I recognized. Yes, yes, I recognize. And this two bottle. is directly affecting sales. I have since then bought two bottles. Of okay, it. so smoking and toasting directly affecting sales. <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. Sometimes it affects it like right after the show airs oh, yeah. because yeah. Ian and I are on our way home and we stop in someplace and, and buy something. So you like this, huh? Yes, it's quite yeah, good. Yeah. I, I remember That's a, that's remember one of those bang it. for the buck whiskeys that you just you come across and you go, Man, I have to buy some now because when people realize how good it is, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be this price available or available. Anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh the next one on the list is Epoch. Epoch. Um, straight bourbon whiskey. It's a $50 bottle uh, from Baltimore Spirits Company, a weeded bourbon made with malted rye, aged for two years, and bottled at 100 proof. And then uh, the next one on the list is Evan Williams, 1793, small batch at $20. Evan Williams is just fine. Mm -hmm. uh, it, this bottling is named after when they first opened their distillery on the banks of the Ohio River. Uh, Yellowstone, limited edition Kentucky Straight Bourbon 2021. I've seen Yellowstone. This is a $100 bottle. I've seen Yellowstone on the on the shelf. I don't know if I've seen this particular particular <coughs> excuse me, this particular one, but uh, I don't think I've tried Yellowstone. Have you tried Yellowstone? I Bert? haven't. <coughs> okay, I'll have to get us a bottle and bring it in. I don't know if it'll be the $100 bottle, but we'll have to try something. This is the new offering from Limestone Branch Distillery. A more mature and flavorful 7-year-old and 15-year-old bourbons were selected by uh, Stephen Beam, the master distiller, and they included a measure of bourbon finished in Armagnac casks, and it plays a proportion finished in barrels uh, that previously held Amarone, an Italian red wine. Am I pronouncing that right? Amarone, yeah. Amarone. It's a style okay. of, of uh, mm -hmm. wine. Yeah, so there are your new uh, whiskeys. Your uh, new whiskeys to try right now. Did well, I get, did I make them all? Right now, that dickle is outstanding. Yeah, uh, I, I mean I, I it's remember. not very good. Don't go buy a bunch, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking and toasting directly influencing <laughs> sales. We should say. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, that uh, that uh, that's an interesting list. Uh, I always like when they do lists of new things. Yeah, and tell you a little bit about them because the new uh, ones are the ones you know. Really, nothing about right. other than maybe I like the brand that name. list because it's also not a list of unattainables. <laughs> right, right. Which that always drives me nuts when I'm like, these are the best things you can ever have, and you can't ever have them because you, you can't, can't even get find them. them. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They're I know. all sold out. I remember I've taken a few of these kind of lists and written them down on like a little yellow pad and then gone to my favorite place. Like, Do you have this? Not no. a one. Do you have this? No. Do you have this? <laughs> I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, but there's so much out there, and that's yeah. the thing. There's so much out there. and. It stores even big ones like a Specs or a Total Wine, they can only stock. They've only got so much shelf space, yeah. and some of that's got to be given to you know Jose Cuervo because they're you know a big volume seller, and so there's not you know there's not as much you know some of it's going to be Jack Daniels because they're a big volume seller, so uh, they've they've got to uh, choose carefully I think on some of the others. And I love you know one of the things I love. Finding, especially in the whiskey world, is when they've done a uh, barrel selection. So I know it's something that I can only get there and only at this yeah, time. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that stuff can be kind of fun. All right, um, Ian, I think it's time for us to uh, to break into another beer. What do you What do you got for us? Oh, give me a moment. Let me get it oh out. yeah, see, keeping it nice and cold. I like that. Um, we are. Uh, the next thing I think we're tasting is the Old Notion Brewing, uh, Old Nation rather, uh, Brewing. This is an IPA. Uh, it is called M43, and apparently they have several, you know, letter alphanumeric designations for their beers. I'm not if sure. If you can feel mean. how cold this can is, by the way, you, you're going to. Wait, love this let me earth. see it. 
I don't see any blue mountains. Oh, there's that. <laughs> Are you sure it it's says, cold? Don't how freak can, out. How can you know for sure, Ian, that it's cold if it doesn't have blue mountains on Sediment it? Sediment and what to do about it. And it recommends that you... Roll it gently. Roll it gently. Uh-huh. Or pour it gently. Either way. But I, you know what? I don't mind a little sediment in there. Mm-hmm. I even buy orange juice pulpy. You know, yeah. So whatever. Well, you're the man that likes the barley wine that has the chewy, uh, sticky, chewy chunks in it. It's delicious. <laughs> and, you yeah. know. I, I don't like my beer you to stick. You can chew on it a little I, bit. I don't want a little pulp, but I don't want my beer to stick to my teeth. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Wait, are you complaining about stuff floating in your beer when you love juicy uh, I love IPAs? juicy, IPAs. Yes. <laughs> it's not the floating that I mind. It's the sticking to the teeth. If I want to do that, I will have peanut brittle. You know? <laughs> So, yeah, the M43, uh, New yeah. Orthodox India Pale Ale Series. Six so, and a half, yeah. or 6.8 by volume. So, New Orthodox, if I understand correctly, uh, is uh, at Old Nation Brewing Company. It's a series of beers that they do. And I think New Orthodox beers uh, may all have a uh, alphanumeric designation like M43. Is M43 like a weapon or a, That's what a I was tank thinking. or something like that? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think so. Like an M4 is a rifle. An M4, I know. Uh, that that no, much I can M43. figure out. Let me just see if... Yeah, I'm, I'm does just it have Googling. anything that says... Uh, it does say right here, it says, according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages That's during pregnancy good, because of the... Good to know. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is an M43? I think, I think they totally stole that from the last beer can. So, from, from Google, which knows more about me than I know about myself... Uh, so maybe they have some something to say about this. Uh, if you ask what is an M43, they say the micro four thirds system, MFT or M43, uh, is a standard released by Olympus and Panasonic in 2008 for the design and development of mirrorless interchangeable lens digital cameras, camcorders. And lenses. that has to be what this is named yeah, after. So you, you, like, no you, doubt. No, no doubt that's what, <laughs> No doubt that's it, right? <laughs> well, I can tell you I like this beer already just, just from what it looks like. This looks yeah, like there's no seeing some of it. my favorite uh So new yeah, very, New England India Pale Ale and uh very fruity, very citrusy on the nose. Mm-hmm. It says haze is good on here. Keep cold and drink fresh. Well, I will tell you this is a uh, this is a complete palate shift from where we were. Oh yeah. But once you give it time to do that, this is hazy and juicy and that a is really a palate shock from where way. we were. Yeah, but wait till you get to your second or third sip, uh, and then this starts to kind of take over your uh, your senses. There, it's it's great. It's fruity. It's uh, citrusy. It's wonderful. It's almost sweet. It is the uh, the front part of this has enough maltiness, like hitting the mm-hmm. front of your tongue with sweetness yes. to to I think kill a lot of the resonant because it's very resiny uh, bitter to it as well, but not in a bad but way. It, but it doesn't sort of linger in a pine cone way on mm-hmm. your on your palate at the end. Nope, this I I'd think say this is, is spectacular. Pretty outstandingly balanced. Mm-hmm. You're making a face. <laughs> <laughs> well, this isn't your. This, this isn't is totally your, outside your, your, of your, uh, your realm of here. Yes, it's not unpleasant. Right. Um, I think that that the the I, I'm a citrus guy, and so mm-hmm. this works for me because of the citrus. Um, it just it, I'm a bit thrown off of the texture. Right. It's it's, it. a, it's a fuller. It's, it's a little orange juicy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's got a fuller <laughs> mouthfeel. If I'm honest, I was expecting. You mentioned pine. I was expecting pine cone. I was expecting mm-hmm. super bitter. Mm-hmm. You know, when you said that, um, and it's not at all. Um, 
it's it's I don't think it's as crushable as the first one. No, but it's certainly a bit more complex, and um, uh, and I don't I don't uh, I don't hate it. Yeah, I, and to say it has that it has that pinecone uh, resiny bitterness to it, but it's so tapered. Uh, tamped down by the the, the uh, malt profile right it's up a, front. It's that a it's, very well balanced beer, which you talk about. This and that with to IPAs, me is right. that's a brilliant IPA mm-hmm. when you can balance that and make something that is this hoppy. Because there's no doubt this is huge hoppy. I would put this, but you know, uh, oh, uh, boil hops, uh, Calypso, Amarillo, Citra, and dry hop, Citra, Amarillo, Simcoe. I will tell you, I would put this in the same general neighborhood. As uh, um, Paris Brewing's Ghost in the Machine. I yeah, I, I would have to say. I would have to say so. Which, and you way, know what? I have another can of this left, so we might have to put those head to head. And just, just kind of see. That would be like a cage match. Like an IPA cage match. I love it. All right. No hops barred <laughs> no, cage match. <laughs> no hops barred. That's good. Uh, I like it. Okay, we'll be doing that in a, uh, in a near and future show. Uh, I, by the way, I wanted to give a shout out to the um, to Richmond Arms, which is a little British pub over uh, oh, yeah, over off, off Richmond. of uh, Richmond Ave. Um, uh, Adam, our producer, uh, uh, had a put a little uh, fantasy football league together, and uh, we all gathered at Richmond Arms to do our draft. Because, they have Maridsu on draft. Yeah, yeah, because doing doing a fantasy football draft is no fun if you can't like talk smack to people while you're doing it right i mean that's the whole that's the whole reason anybody does fantasy football is so you can just like you know trade barbs with your other uh, fantasy football players. so i saw a shirt once that said fantasy football is D for people who used to beat up people who play D. that's exactly what it is except <laughs> except except i was one of the D guys i don't know how i switched over so i got beat up both times so uh no but uh anyway i wanted to give a shout out to the richmond arms because the first thing I was excited about was that they had uh, Lone Pint Yellow Rose on draft. Yeah. But then they were out of it. So I was bummed, but then I found out they had Ghost, Ghost of the Machine oh, on yeah. draft. And they have Meritsu. And, and it was good. You've had the Meritsu there, haven't you? <laughs> I love Meritsu. Yeah. And the problem is Meritsu is like, like 12%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's so speaking, good. That is speaking your beer language, my friend. Yes. That's what that's doing. All right, well... As uh, as is always the case when I am uh, doing something, there is a leaf blower close by, <laughs> and uh, so this might be a good time for us to uh, take a break. We're going to come back. We have one more wine to try. Uh, we have one more beer to try, and we have a little something we like to call drinking news coming up in the next segment, and uh, it does not deal with a leaf blower, but I may take the break to go out and deal with the leaf blower. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's just code for having another drink. Yes, well. <laughs> with purpose. Welcome back. It is smoking and toasting. All about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and delicious wines. Translation, all about good stuff. Yeah, all about the good stuff. Uh, Mark Burrell, our uh, resident smoking and toasting wine expert uh, who holds court at the uh, Rainbow Lodge here in Houston, is on the show with us today. Uh, and, you know, we, we almost refuse to talk about wine unless you're here because <laughs> we will just screw it up. If, yeah. you're, if you're in the Houston area and, <laughs> and you're wondering what to do on a date or even a uh, lunch date, mm-hmm. uh, the weather is cooled down to about 95, mm-hmm. sometimes 
sometimes almost 93. Almost Arctic. The back patio there is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it really and is. Beautiful. It really is. And, and, and like, right in the city. We want fantastic. Right. It, it, you're in the city, but it does not look like you're in the city when you're on their back patio. No, when you're it, out, when you're out yeah. there, you, you feel like you're miles away. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty wonderful. wild. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, you took your wife there for, like, an anniversary dinner, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, they, they treat us so nice. Well, you know, so the last time I was there, it was for uh, Valentine's. We were a week oh, or so Valentine's, late. right, yeah. And we just happened to mention to the server, you know, they were like, they were like first time here? I was like, no, I've been here before. My wife hasn't been here. And and um, and uh, mentioned that it was, you know, our late Valentine's. And at the end of the meal and everything, they brought out a, a little Valentine's Aww. cake. See? It was absolutely just wonderful. They were so nice. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, uh, they will treat you right. It's a special place. You know, you think that after 45 years, we'd get it right one day. Yeah, right? Well, you know, and the other thing, though, too, that occurs to me is, like, I, I... uh, so I think of it a lot of times as kind of a special occasion place because it really is. Like, when you walk in, you are transported to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But you can just go there and have lunch, you know? Yeah. Don't yeah. lose sight right, of that. Right. <laughs> Hundreds of people do that yeah. every day. <laughs> I'm talking and, about the knees out there. And as yeah. the uh, as the, um, as the the weather begins to cool off a little bit, that back patio is even more inviting because it's beautiful out there. It got down there. to 80 last you can night. Smoke I just want to point that yeah, out. Yeah, I know. I know. Winter's coming. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Winter's coming. Well, uh, Ian, I believe the time has come for the uh, what has turned into our show's most popular uh, segment, which tells you something about the show, and I don't know if it's something positive. It's time for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News, now it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News, Drinking News, now it's time for Drinking News. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When I asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Well, drinking news, uh, we want to remind everyone, is our segment of the show uh, where we feature an actual true news story, or at least a story we believe to the best of our knowledge to be true. As Ian says in the song, I got a story and I swear it's true. Uh, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're not, uh, there's a lot of fake news out there, but we do our best to try to cut through that and bring you something that has at least been reported by something that's not called the onion. <laughs> that's, that's, the best we can, uh, that's the best we can do. So drinking news may occasionally or often even be a, a news story about drinking, but even when it's not, it's always a story that's probably best enjoyed if you've been drinking. And by this segment of the show, we always have. So Cheers. it works, works for us. Yes. Uh, today's story comes from our dumbasses in the news file. Uh, a Florida man. <laughs> I love it when a story drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man got himself in hot water and almost got himself in actual water. Uh, he was in clear water and uh, he got picked up for DUI charges this week. After authorities spotted his SUV hanging halfway off a seawall, and this will be one of those uh, drinking news stories that is also most uh, most appropriately enjoyed with the photo. So Adam's got a couple of these he can put up, and uh, you'll see them in the feed if you're watching on video. It, the the picture really oh, yeah. kind of that, that, really, cool. really kind that'll of makes get a cop's the, attention. Really kind of makes the story. Yeah, Clearwater Police posted this picture on Facebook and uh, said below it that. 
Quote, officers were conducting a drunken driving investigation after the driver of this vehicle found a very unusual parking spot behind Pier House 60 on Coronado Drive. Uh, the Lexus RX was perched over Clearwater Bay at the far end of a sandy expanse adjacent to, but not in the direct line of, a paved parking lot. <laughs> so you the know, the only thing you can make that better is if, if the guy was sitting in there with the window down and a fishing rod. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there just is, fishing officer. There is a second picture. I don't know if it's come up yet, but it uh, it shows just how good a parking job the guy did. Uh, the 38-year-old driver was charged with driving under the influence, according to the Miami Herald, and was released on his own recognizance. Uh, this seems like as good a time as any to remind you that here at Smoking and Toasting, we do always encourage you to drink, but we never encourage you to drink and drive. Hey, Uber's your friend. Or attempt to park. Or attempt to park. And that is your drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. So it wasn't a big drinking news story today, but I thought the photo was worth it. Mark, you haven't been here for a drinking news episode, have you? Uh, once. Once, okay. okay. Right. So, so you have seen this before. I, 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 if I remember, now I drink for a living, so I don't remember very well, but <laughs> if, I, if I recall, the point. there might have been an alligator in the the drinking news that oh, I was yeah. here. Well, oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, when we first started, there were so many Florida Man stories out there, <laughs> and a good number of them, you know, do include alligators, but we've now been through a lot of those, so... I have to, you know, I have to look. I have to search a little harder for drinking news stories every week, uh, but you know, again, it's 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 like this self uh, fulfilling, you know, curse because it's turned into a, a popular portion of the show. So if I take it away, we might lose listeners, and so I have to keep searching. So if you guys have any good drinking news stories, uh, send them to me. I appreciate it. Uh, your help would be uh, your help would be greatly appreciated. Um, it is uh, a great. Uh, a great time, I think, to start talking about fall wines because fall is already arriving in some areas of the country and will be here in all of its 15-minute glory uh, in our uh, hometown of Houston. Uh, and here in Texas, long. they're going to have, if they don't have it already, the new fall shorts line out because oh, yes, everyone wears right. shorts in fall <laughs> that's here. That's right. Everybody does. and it's uh, people just, were... just two inches longer. Yeah, yes, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> and, and the colors are slightly different, but yes. Yeah, they're more, they're more fall autumnal Pumpkin colors. Spice. Yes, that's right. Pumpkin spice colors. That's, that's um, when, the, when, the, uh, when the real tree camo turns to uh, from, their, from their standard green and tan to the orange and tan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which... Uh, which sounds like a, a beer, but is that actually sounds like a joke, but it's yeah. not actually a joke. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, welcome oh, to Texas. <laughs> uh, by the way, the, the Denver Broncos and the uh, Breckenridge Distillery in Colorado are teaming up for uh, two whiskeys. Uh, one will be an orange whiskey, and one will be a blue. They're bourbon blends, and uh, and you know Breckenridge is a highly respected uh, distillery and uh, so if you are in the Denver area and you're a Broncos fan you may want to try these Are they uh, going to put a blue label on have, the bottle or are they going to make actually, it blue? I No, it, it's the label on the bottle. In fact, I'll okay. actually show have you. you ever had this their, is from the Denver Broncos website. I'll show it to the Their vanilla the porter is an amazing uh-huh, amazing uh-huh. beer. Yep. 
And so that's what that's what the bottles look like. So, I see. Okay. So good for good for Broncos fans. And let's face it, if you're a Broncos fan, you're going to need something to get excited about this year. It probably is not going to be the team that they field. So uh, I'm just saying. Just saying, saying they're not they're not going to do the Super Bowl shuffle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, most likely not. But they will. Uh, uh, you know, they'll be much more much more fun to watch if you enjoyed some of the blue or the orange uh, uh, Broncos. Uh, Breckenridge. So, um, Mark Burrell, our uh, wine expert, has brought along three wines. I don't know how you're going to top the first two. Okay, those were just exceptional. But Challenge what, accepted. But what is your third? He one? looks pretty confident. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> so um, I brought a crowd pleaser. Oh, this is um, uh, from a region in Argentina called Paraje Altamira, mm-hmm. uh, which is an area within Mendoza. So, and I wanted to I wanted to specifically point that out. Um, a lot of people will um, hear about Argentina wine and immediately think Mendoza, and that's because they make a lot of wine in mm-hmm. Mendoza. Mm-hmm. But Mendoza, like we were talking earlier about Beaujolais and Napa, has appellated. There's lots of little areas within Mendoza, and they all deserve mm. their own um, uh, uh, due, as far as, far as I'm concerned. A pepperiness this is from Paraje Altamira. It's much much higher in elevation. It is indeed Malbec, even though Malbec doesn't come from Argentina. Okay. So Malbec is an is a indigenous varietal of uh, the Bordeaux region, France. In fact, mm. it's one of the five uh, grapes that are blended to make Bordeaux. That's a word that's much more French in origin than it is. Uh, well, Latin in France, they call it Cote. Oh. C O T. I um, mean, it comes from an area called Cahors, C-A-H-O-R-S. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, in the late 1800s, there was this thing called phylloxera. It was a little bug that was eating the rootstocks. And what the French did was send trimmings and clippings of these Bordelais varietals to uh, South America merely to perpetuate the species. Well, they kind of took off. And, and these kinds of uh, varietals, Cabernet, Merlot, Petit mm-hmm. Verdot, Malbec, they all do really, really well in, in South America. And it just kind of went... On and so the South Americans were like, "Great, if it grows here, and it grows here well, let's make some." And so they did, um, and that's why there's a lot of Malbec in in South America. This is Malbec. It comes from a producer called Zuccardi, um, and we were talking earlier about um, the different aging regimens that wines can go through: stainless steel or or um, or in wooden casks. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually aged in concrete. In concrete, yeah, they make these big concrete. So sometimes there, it's a big cube, and sometimes it's like an egg-shaped something or another, and it helps kind of move things around naturally. Is it not like I don't know? I, I would almost think it would impart something unpleasant to the the wine. Um, actually, what it does is it has a bit of chalkiness or something like that. It, it, well, it it it. It allows some air to move. Concrete kind of is right because concrete breathes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, but it doesn't allow enough air to oxidize it. But it does um, assist does, in the. Does the concrete itself weep on the outside a little bit from the liquid inside? More than likely, it's lined. There's not lined mm. with a, a substance other than a, a coating of some sort. Um, but um, it, it, but still it allow it will allow some some transfer of air to to be able to right. pass through. Um, I don't see what it does. It keeps it cold. It mm. it keeps the temperature. I was right. wondering if if it did like bleed a little bit on the outside, if it would make like a an image of the Virgin Mary, and then like it'd be a whole other like. Wine makes image of Virgin Mary. Instead of Jesus on toast, it's right. toast on the... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is so dry, and I absolutely love it. It, it is wonderful. I, I, spent, I just took one sip, but I just wanted to comment on the nose. 
you were absolutely right about the pepper, but there's also this like grapey explosion kind of happening uh, just on the nose that it's just it it has it holds such promise for the first sip, you know. Yeah. Well, and and you know mm. we talked earlier, um, I think off air about about its color. And how, it, if you were to look at this, you think you might think that it is lighter in body than than the Beaujolais is, but there's so much complexity, there's so much going on with this. There's uh, that that touch of pepper spice on the back end, that black a, pepper, a little bit of a chocolate note. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, mm. So in the medium-bodied um, reds, there is kind of in higher a hierarchy. There's that. There's a Tempranillo, which is a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. There's Malbec, which is a little heavier. And there's the Zinfandel, which is a little um, heavier than that still. All with typically, um, uh, I'm putting everything in a bucket here, typically with a with a spicy or peppery finish. And I think that's why a lot of people are, are drawn to Malbec, because it is medium-bodied. It's kind of medium everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's this kind of catch-all of everything. Mm-hmm. This just has a little bit of a difference to it that I felt um, um, really interesting and um, I, I love the way that this that this works and it and it goes great with everything on a menu at Rainbow Lodge. I was going to say it seems like it would be incredibly versatile in terms mm-hmm. of what you could pair it with. Totally. And same thing with a cigar. Like I think this would stand up to uh, most things that weren't just totally full bodied. Oh, absolutely. It, it's got because it's got a good amount of. Well, like, this uh, so like uh, uh, the the previous the Beaujolais that we had. Has a uh, has a dryness to it, but it happens late in the palate, and then it doesn't sit on the back of the tongue. It kind of sits out in the mm-hmm. outside of the palate a little bit. This one has that this dryness that I absolutely love, but again, it doesn't sit in the back of the palate. It sits on the tip of the tongue and the front of the mm-hmm. palate. Right. And then the back of the palate has this great warmth, and that's where you get that little spicy pepper yep. and a few of those things. This is such. Mm. It's 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 more of an experience almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, well, uh, I love that, but I think it's very, really savvy the way that you picked up that the that the the dryness, the tannin structure, appears in two different places. Yeah, between these two two different wines. Here you're right; it's right up front. It's right up front, yeah. But you get, still get that grapey mm-hmm. kind of fruit. Um, it might even be a bit more fruity than than the, the Beaujolais that I we think had it before. Is, yeah, uh, but in, but in a very dark fruit kind of way. Mm-hmm. I almost get a. a a chocolate-covered cherry on the retrohale, just a, a real deep um, uh, fruit flavor with uh, with sort of a cocoa uh, chocolate uh, vibe to it. That that very rich. You know, you know what I'm talking about when yeah, you get absolutely. one of those chocolate-covered cherries that is so rich mm-hmm. that you almost like don't want to eat it, but it's so good. You know, well, there's there's uh, uh, wine dicks like me. I'll always talk about. Um, uh, a color and how something might taste like a color and people think right. oh, that's crazy but you know when you you could actually tell the difference between say like blue fruit black fruit this has got lots of red fruit in it yeah mm-hmm. and, and how mm-hmm. many people haven't said that tastes a little bit green mm-hmm. like right. of that, course that's, yeah, totally. a, that's a thing I, I was and I was talking about shapes when it comes to taste I say it has a very round mm-hmm. flavor to it or you know you know what I mean like uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. I, Round I'm, versus like linear and very sharp, yeah, like a right. or something. Yeah. Although like I've that. never said some something had a you know trapezoid <laughs> flavor to it, so maybe maybe there's only so far you can take that particular called square a few yeah, times. Pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty true. Although now I heard you refer to yourself as a wine dick. Is that is that a, is that a, is that, a, is, that a, is that an actual uh, expression? So there's there's all right. 
Let me just say this. <laughs> There's a lot of, of people who might consider someone in my profession a bit uppity. Okay? Um, and I think that, that one of the things that, that makes me and the experience at Rainbow Lodge very unique is that, I, you know, I'm, I'm not there to judge you. If you want to drink the $6 stuff at Target, I'm going to say go for it. Would you like for me to get you a straw? Right. Um, I'm happy. I, I'm just happy that you're drinking. <laughs> Do you want ice in your wine? <laughs> sure. You know, no problem. Uh, you want the six dollar stuff to can it? I'm happy to do it for you. Um, it doesn't for for me. It's all about the experience, and I want you to have a great experience. Right. And so I, there is there's there are people out there who are hesitant to talk to the psalm, who are hesitant to ask that person over. And so I give my servers a little cheat, a few cheats mm -hmm. to help kind of get around that. But those people who do. Um, and, and there are some people in town who, who I think fit that bill, but for the most part, um, Houston specifically, the 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 wine the sommelier community in Houston is very cordial and very open, and just really want you to experience. But something. I think by title, for people who don't know anything about wine, I think by title that can be a little, um, a little intimidating. A little intimidating. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's like when when people talk to me about cigars and then they. You know, and they're like, oh, I don't know much about cigars. And then they find out that I actually have a show all about cigars. You can see their attitude kind of like, oh, this guy is, like, at a different level. Uh -huh. You know, so I – but I think there's a little intimidation. But you're so friendly about it, and I love that – because I tell people with cigars all the time, what – I don't really smoke cigars. What should I smoke? Well, man, frankly – if if you like a backwoods cigar, get a backwoods cigar. Right. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> don't. The, the the Rainbow Lodge though, is a really interesting place for a guy like you to be because it's got a it's got a rustic sort of yeah, a very very, uh, very approachable mm -hmm. vibe. Now, what's interesting though is that the 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 quality of what the chef is creating in terms of the dishes is you know almost almost unexpected. Given the sort of, uh, you know, because when you walk in, it's like a, it's it's like a, um, a it's like an old lodge, comfortable old it's lodge. A, it, comfortable is the right way. Right. They they really do you know, work on that. Right. And and well, the the first line of our website says sophisticated, not stuffy, and that's and we want Absolutely. we really want you to yeah, it's a bit more of an elevated dining experience, but it doesn't have to be. Um, you know, tweezer-fied plates, and you right, know, right. I don't wear a tie at work. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I want to be as approachable and and um, friendly well, that, as well. Possible. That's what I was going to say. Like, despite how much you know about wines, and and the fact that you could be, you know, the biggest wine snob that I know, <laughs> uh, you are so approachable, and and it really fits with the vibe of what. That restaurant is, yeah. is about. This is not a place that snooty people go to see and be seen. It's a place that w where people go that really, really love you know the whole culinary experience of uh, what well, Rainbow Lodge is all about. You kind of you kind of embody the whole uh, the, the the Texas Lodge vibe, and that you know here's the deal: you walk in there, and and when you're wearing your uh, cowboy boots, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you're wearing your tennis shoes, that's okay too. Sure. Mm -hmm. Nobody's judging. I mean, or you can walk I, in I in a three-piece suit with the, uh, yeah, know, and, and with the Bruno Mali yeah. on. You know, yeah, you know? yeah. But uh, it really does feel comfortable. I've never walked in there myself and felt like 
intimidated by a place, but you got to walk in there first, you know. And, and I allow, love that back patio. And you allow, <laughs> it's it's great. Great. You'll allow people to smoke cigars on the back patio, right? Um, we have a we have a what we call the An lower area? deck. Yeah, the lower um, deck. Yeah, it's it's a bit. Room, uh, further removed so it's further from away, where so people are having bother, dinner. Doesn't bother the people who yeah, are having dinner. Yeah, over there on the water. It's a really nice. It's a really so great. You place also spot. have like the little uh, area that if, when you're done eating, you can take a little walk around mm-hmm. the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff like that. It's absolutely fantastic. A lot of proposals. I was, I was just about that. to say. I mean this like in the best possible way. But if you were shooting your uh, engagement photos, this would be the kind of place you would want to go. Almost shoot. daily. Yeah. I bet it does. I bet it does. Well, it's wonderful. And it's always so nice to have here ian we have one more beer to try which i yes uh, we do I, I i almost it's almost hard to just move away this is really really wonderful and to me this wine tastes like what i think of when i think of the rainbow lodge this just ah. seems like a a perfectly suited to what you guys are all and you about picture uh, sitting wine. in a log cabin with a fireplace right, going and right. a bowl of exactly. buffalo chili and... exactly a bowl of buffalo chili I <laughs> you love just that. you just painted a picture that i want to be part of yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll let you know when the chili comes back every year every year it comes back every year uh, how often does the menu change seasonally okay. um but and even more that was lovely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good um, sign. <laughs> even more because uh, uh, Chef Mark Schmidt is um, he's um, been there for ages and he's really really good about sourcing the right ingredients for mm-hmm. dishes at the lodge. And and what he'll do is he'll just day before yesterday he pulled me aside and he goes, "Man, you got to try the fish special. Barramundi is back." And so he'll just pick up. Some ingredient, and perhaps it's some uh, a piece of produce or something that we've grown. We have we have two gardens mm-hmm. um, at the lodge that we um, that we that source you tend from. and grow your own. Uh, well, um, I don't, herbs but yeah. <laughs> I'm in a jacket, man. Uh, <laughs> but you can walk out there with a glass of wine and survey the area. That, you sure you bet yeah. absolutely. <laughs> All right. Watch well, Pasquale pick some bees. Uh, I was just to say, uh, you know, when we think about chefs, largely because we've you know seen the chef shows on TV, we often think about their their genius as being how they blend things. Mm-hmm. And there certainly is obviously a, that's a big element of what they do. But I'm wondering if an almost bigger part of the genius of a great chef is knowing how and what to source. Uh, knowing what what ingredients to bring in, what vegetables, what you know, organic greens, what uh, how, where so to find the right meat and fish. Uh, I was so having on. a conversation with Chef yesterday about a wine dinner that I'm having in uh, October, and we were kind of running back and forth ideas about about the menu. And um, and you're right; it's genius um, uh, skill to have. Because he can say, all right, so by the time that this comes along, X will be in season, and I can get mm-hmm. this from this purveyor, and I'll be able to do this with it, and that sounds brilliant. Yes, do that, because it's wonderful, and mm-hmm. every time the chef is allowed to to do um, something like that and get real creative, it's a hit. You know, I mentioned the wine dinners. We do a few in the spring and a few in the fall, mm-hmm. and um, I give chef the wines he and i sit and taste them and then he just comes up and does what he needs he to with gets it, it huh? so and a couple just, days later i get an email with a with a menu on it and it's it gets better and better and better so he tastes the wine first that you've I think picked that's out important. for this thing. I think that's really important. Especially and then he makes the dish to complement yep. that yeah. wow that's interesting because as a consumer 
I so often think about it the other way. I'm ordering this meal. I'm ordering this particular what wine. food. What wine goes with well, this? Well, and to be honest, you're at a wine dinner. You're at a wine-focused event. So, so the wine comes first in this case. It yeah. does, but we want to make sure that the the food and the wine that they pair and that it's it has some sort of um, theme to it. And so the chef, Chef Mark, is just brilliant when it comes to doing those kinds of things. And so, yeah, I ask for samples. He and I sit down and taste. Uh, he also um, uh, used to own a restaurant in Austin where he bought the wine. So he, I'm fortunate enough that he knows his mm -hmm. he knows his wine as well. That's great. So he can pull flavors, um, just like you guys are talking about cigars. He can pull flavors out of the wine that I wouldn't think about, culinary flavors, and then create a dish with it. And next thing you know, it's just stupid brilliant it's just love amazing it. the love what it. he does got to love that that's he, the it's, genius it's funny we because about. that's uh, almost the exact opposite of what we do with the whiskey sniff right which we're, like have we ever told you about our whiskey sniff uh, yeah i think you invited me i couldn't go but yeah so yeah. it's it's the event that we put on that was inspired by how ian chooses what uh whiskey he's going to to have with a particular cigar so i start a cigar and then once I'm about a three quarters to an inch into the cigar and I have it in my palate, mm -hmm. then it's as simple as going in and popping the top on my whiskey and giving it a smell. And you'll smell what goes with that because it's in your palate. Yeah. You'll, start, you'll immediately, like you might go, that's a, so okay, but you'll find one that goes, yeah, that's the one. It's pretty pretty nice. Well, and you find, whether it's cigars and, and whiskey or wine and food, mm -hmm. that, that there's... Uh, bookends of of ways to do that. Sometimes yeah. it's complementary, like uh, the vanilla in this goes really great, and the vanilla in right. this, this mm -hmm. bourbon. Right. And then sometimes it's complete opposite, like we were talking about the the acid in that beer, and how great that that would go with something that's like really spicy and. So rich. I like to think uh, to back up what you're saying. This is just my my own way of saying it. Is I like to think there's there's flavors that kind of meld together, complementary, and then there's ones that that wrap around each other or work around mm -hmm. each other and can work the same way like like the yin and yang are not the same thing but they're within the same circle right, versus right. Mm -hmm. blending something together it's kind of an interesting well i'm just going to speak to this because i was uh, polishing off this last uh, this <laughs> bottle of this last wine a moment ago did not know how that would work with this uh, this stout uh, and the answer is wonderfully so this stout is interesting in a few ways. This is the one that my uh, future brother-in-law picked out. This is a Great Turtle Brewing Distillery uh, Hoban Street Stout. Brewed with real coffee beans, it says on the front. We're used to that because we got real ale. Mm -hmm. That's one of the best coffee stouts in mm -hmm. existence. Mm -hmm. um, but I love what they say about this because at first sip, when you taste this, uh, I think like my first taste of this is it's got a bit of a thinner mouthfeel than I was expecting. Okay. But it says right on here, made with fresh roasted espresso beans, light-bodied stout goes down easy on a summer day. The espresso adds a little pick-me-up in the late afternoon. Hmm. Uh, I, think I think they know exactly what they're doing yeah, on this. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's very well described for what it is. It is not one of those big, heavy stouts that uh -uh. just you know has the big, thick mouthfeel, but it, it just bombards you with flavor. You, know, so, you get so much on the palate, it's And crazy. the coffee's good. Mm-hmm. It's prominent too, the coffee. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, when you when you mention stout, as a beer layperson, I think a beer that you drink with a fork. You know that that <laughs> right, rich, right. 
uh, viscous. So this is especially a little surprising. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's much lighter. This is, li- this is very light. This is it's, lighter than most porters, like as far as the right. mouthfeel and body goes. And, and there's more carbonation than I expected, mm-hmm. which normally in a stout would really be off-putting to me. But in this case, it seems to really work. I think it works with the coffee. I think yeah. it really kind of yes, gets the, the coffee. coffee going Agreed. around. Agreed. Let us well, see now that, I don't have to make can. an espresso later. Uh, that's right. <laughs> it's, got, uh, it's got a turtle sitting... Like chilling out against a uh, lamp post with so a cup is, of coffee. So is Hoban Street, I'm assuming, is that where the brewery is? It's actually on Main Street. Mm. But apparently Hoban, Hoban Street is... Hoban spelled like, like tequila Hoban? I'm thinking... Sorry? H-O-B-A-N. Hoban. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, Hoban Street. Got it, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love I love the turtle. He's Who got, doesn't love a great turtle? Yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's got a lot of personality going there for a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... Uh, that's that's terrific. So yeah, wow, it says, what a uh, seventy four fifty two Main Street, Mackinac Island. What a combination of, uh, of of amazing flavors and sensations we've been able to stumble across here. This is one of those shows where I keep thinking I've found my favorite thing on the show today, and then I keep going back and going. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's that. Uh, a lot of really really great stuff. I don't think we've had anything. Two fifty, no pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap things up. Smoking and toasting. Uh, it is show number 250, as uh, Mark pointed out. Uh, we are thrilled to have made it this far. And uh, like Ian has said earlier, we're halfway to 300. Halfway to 300. And we'll be right back. School of Liberty. It is smoking and toasting. It's our uh, little program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand rolled cigars, stuff. and great wine—the good stuff, as uh, as Ian says. Uh, and we certainly have had some uh, good stuff today. Big thanks to our uh, resident wine expert, Mark Burrell, who, uh, by the way, knows a little bit about cocktails too. I think I, I think I may have mentioned <laughs> at the top of the show uh, we were out celebrating uh, Brazilian Independence Day earlier this week. Um, um, my uh, my wife's, you know, one of her closest friends is a very close friend with Mark, and so we were all out uh, having cocktails and and uh, enjoying ourselves in a in a really deserted Brazilian restaurant. But we <laughs> drank, we, we did drank our part. Actually, pretty decent caipirinhas. On, yeah, on yeah. The, the drinks <laughs> Brazilian the drinks, Independence Day. The drinks were very good. They didn't have an impressive beer menu, but they did have Schinerbach, and they put it on ice for me to keep it nice and cold. They give you a little so, container. They they did. You know what they brought? They brought like the base of of like a big uh, cocktail shaker and they filled it with icy water so that when I poured the Scheinerbach into my glass I could put the rest of the bottle into the icy Clever. water in the shaker I'm like oh this <laughs> that was I that remember was really, this one. Was that a nice, was a nice touch that was very nice but I, I have to say um, uh, we really enjoyed the cocktails and, and it was fun and I didn't I didn't know about Brazilian Independence Day as, you know, another <laughs> another drinking day on the calendar, but it is now marked there permanently uh, on mine. So, I didn't know anything about that either. I'll yeah, have to very put that on my calendar. You know, See you we, next September 7th. We, right. we, all do, we all do Cinco de Mayo, right? We all do, sure, uh, yeah. we all do the normal drinking holidays. So, so what is the biggest drinking holiday? Oh, it's got to be St. Patrick's Day. I would day. think, yeah. Is it St. Patrick's Day? Is that bigger than Halloween? Or Thanksgiving. Halloween, I don't know. Well, Halloween's pretty see, big. See, yeah. when I was a club DJ, Halloween it, when Halloween fell 
reasonably close to a weekend, if it was even like a Thursday, we were going to print money at the bar that week. It was just going to be crazy. I would think, too, out. though, Thanksgiving night's always busy because everyone just got out of dinner with their oh, yeah, family. Yeah. like, no, I thanks, need a beer. Th- Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving's big because you get Thanksgiving Eve. Because everybody mm-hmm. like comes home to see their parents and then they want to go out and do something. You get Thanksgiving night because people have been with their parents all day and they want to go out and do something. And then you got Friday and Saturday, so yeah. it's a it's always it's always big. But but as far as actual drinking holidays, yeah, uh, it's got to be St. Patrick's. You think St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day? maybe? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's gonna be hard to. I mean, yeah. I, I think I, I think it just kind of depends on the region. They're they're. Places, their areas in the country that celebrate different things at different times. Well, I think we want to go on a quest to make Brazilian Independence Day a more important drinking holiday across <laughs> the United States. Challenge I was, accepted. I was thrilled to go out and uh, and and purchase. So, if if there's time, there's the t- just the tiniest yes. of stories. There's, uh, it, it was maybe 15 years ago. I was invited by a friend to this party at a restaurant that I don't even know if it's still there near the Galleria. To go to on this on this day, and we went, and they were making these glorious magical drinks that they called caipirinhas. And I sat there and I watched the bartender, and I asked what was in it. I took a picture of the bottle, the whole thing. I, and then I ordered all the gear and the kit, made caipirinhas at home, and every year, and then since found out that it was Brazilian Independence Day. Now I understand that the Brazilians don't really celebrate their Independence, their independence Day. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of okay, another day for them. Um, and, and I know this because I have a very good friend, Luis, who now lives in Portugal, who um, I th- would celebrate with him. And he's like, you know, it's not that big of a deal here. <laughs> but, but any day that I can drink cachaça is a great day for me. And so yeah, September well. 7th gave me a really great, <laughs> great excuse to do that. I love it. I love it. Your abilities um, to justify are fantastic, by yeah, the way. I love it's it. what I do for a living, yeah, sir. It, it's fantastic. <laughs> and he's very, very good at it, isn't he? <laughs> uh, well, Mark, thank you for being here today. And it's we want to also say, by the way, uh, thanks to our guest uh, from last week. The Ladies of a Libation were with oh. us last week. And we had uh, Chris and Laurie from, uh, from that company. They were company. so and fun. They brought, they brought Old Forrester. Oh, Old Forrester. Wow. They're so great. Those ladies yeah. are great. They're, they're so much fun. So, uh, so thanks to them. Now, next weekend, we do not have a guest scheduled. So next week, we're going to do something we've never really gotten. We've never really rolled up our sleeves and done this on the show before. All right. But next week, you and I are going to talk about how to make the perfect whiskey smash. And we're going to bring the ingredients in. I have in. smashed some whiskey in my I life. have smashed some whiskey as well. I mean, we're going to bring the ingredients in, and then you and I will actually, right here on the show, make a whiskey smash. And then Adam, our producer on the Wheels of Steel, will judge which one of us did a better job. Oh, see, now my bartending skills... I'm going to warn you; they're very specific. Well, mine, are, mine are, I, have a, I have a very specific set of bartending well, skills. Like I sometimes I'll pour whiskey into a glass, and when someone says, uh, "Do you have a mixer?" I'm like, "Yeah, here's two chips of ice." Yeah, I understand. Well, <laughs> my bartending skills are what I would call questionable. So, uh, so the idea though is that we I actually have a, a, a recipe how to make the perfect whiskey smash. Okay, so we're going to so use your if recipe we, if we can do it. Uh, that anyone can do it. So that's the plan. All right. We may have to try this with a couple different whiskeys. Well, I was going to ask you if you had an idea what whiskeys we should go to. Mm. If you, Maybe you wanted to bring something the from the The aforementioned George Dickel may be yeah. a good one. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. I mean, I've been a fan of it. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So, so we'll talk about that. I might work well yeah. with that. I think, I think we should at least try one rye. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I have a barrel rye. You do. Yes. That's awfully good. <laughs> it's got your name on it. No, no, no. Now there, you're talking about the Angel's Envy rye. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not bringing that for cocktails. That's a. That, that's a. I'm happy to share it with you, but that'll be that'll be sipped, my friend. Uh, I'm, I'm hoarding that. That was the one uh, Ian got me for. Was that my birthday? Uh, was it Christmas? I don't remember. Christmas, I think. Christmas. Yeah, I went, oh. I went to. Uh, oh, so I went good. to uh, Kentucky and I got. It's I just got so brewery. good. Yeah. Uh, but I do have a barrel rye, though, that, that I could bring in. All right. Uh, so anyway, so we'll talk about this during the week. But next week, we'll be working on how to make the perfect whiskey smash. And we'll be sharing this recipe with you. So anybody that is going to be, like, at home uh, during the show, if you want to make one if you want to make one along with us, right. be smashed at home. It'll be, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So, Mark, thank you for bringing, again, such wonderful wines. You never disappoint. That's my pleasure. Uh, and uh, I just want to encourage people again to go and uh, ask for Mark by name at the uh, Rainbow Lodge here in uh, Houston. And, and he will, uh, I, I promise you, he will help you select the perfect wine for uh, whatever dinner you're mm-hmm. going to have. Because... Uh, it's like he does it for a living. You know? <laughs> I should. I should consider that. <laughs> That's a uh, you know, career path 101. How here. about that? All right. Well, thank you again for doing this, Ian. It's great to see you, my friend. Thank you for being here on the show. I'm going to uh, uh, call it a day here, I believe, although I will good hang, lift y'all. my little cup here and, uh, and toast you, my friend. Cheers. Oh, we all have Cheers. the same beer. Cheers, y'all. <laughs>